Welcome to Moving With Life. This is episode number four. I am Andy Acosta. My friends Eddie Science and Brian Lebanos will be joining me as well. Listeners from all over the nation, it seems, uh, thank you for tuning in. We do appreciate it. We get a little bit of stats coming from SoundCloud, so we get to have at least a general picture of who's listening and what we see from anywhere from L.A., Las Vegas, here in the Valley, uh, McAllen, San Juan, Edinburgh, up to San Antonio, Houston, uh, Lubbock. I saw a Lubbock on there. It's pretty cool. Uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to subscribe. Don't forget to leave reviews. We are on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Episode 4 is maybe one of the quicker episodes we've gone through. Uh, Content-wise, I feel like we got really deep into some subjects. And some got so deep, I had questions about keeping them or taking them out for this episode. I did decide to keep them. And I hope you enjoy uh, the closing. There's a lot of good uh, little gold nuggets, as I like to call them, at the end of the podcast. So thanks for tuning in. Here's next episode of Moving With Life. Phantom Regiment, Blue Devils, like warm-ups. Ooh. I think there was one by Blue Coats, those space chords. Mm-hmm. That one was awesome. I've heard that one. I remember and that And then one. Phantom played uh, Cannon. Uh, well, that, that's like their main warm-up. I think it's a different one. Or one of them. Or, they, or is it like a more recent one? Like, I guess post. Uh. Let's say post-2010. Because really, I stopped keeping up with DCI post-2010, mm-hmm. so... I don't remember when it was from, but I watched like three Phantom warm-ups, mm-hmm. and only one of them, they played Cannon to warm up. Oh, okay. So. It's awesome, though. You see the director just kind of, and they start, you know, yeah. blowing into their horns, and then they bust, bust out Cannon. It's like, oh. And then he does something, and they all start, like, doing other stuff. Like, mm-hmm. they're not playing the notes. And then he just comes back, and then, da-da-da-da-da-da. Like, yeah. That was lovely. Can you do that again? Huh? Can you do that again? That was lovely. Why? No. It's <laughs> weird. So what kind of chords were they? If they were space chords, like I don't know, it just sounds they sound spacey. I'd have to we have yeah we have to show you videos, Eddie. So you, so you because I can bet you'd be able to decipher that. Yes, because one of the reasons I didn't continue with music is because I hate and suck at theory. Oh come on, <laughs> for real. That's like, the I, that's the kind of shit you can get better at. That's it like is stu- it is, but as a senior in high school, I just didn't care for. Her. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And honestly, I loved having our doctor be our theory professor senior year. I I enjoyed it. Even, even though like a lot of people are like you know they have their own opinions, I enjoyed his theory class and like I did well. And I you know I even I still have the 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 program that we use for like make sheet music and stuff. I still you have that. I haven't used it in a while. The finale. Yeah. No, no uh, finale. Print, well, print music, which is like the mm. uh, like the like the smaller version of finale. Yeah. It's not the full version like with everything. But but the one I got is like the full version. So I, I still paid for it. You know, I still it's still like very close to what finale is. The, yeah. Fanatic only gives you more details, you know, compared to print music. But it's the same company. It's Finale, you know. But uh, yeah, super awesome. Uh, but yeah, Space Chords. Uh, I remember that video. I haven't. I, I don't remember how it sounds, but I can bet Eddie can like, you know, decipher it. Well, I don't. It'll depend. I mean, my ear can only go so far. Like, I don't know. That's so, that's something you can get better at. <laughs> <laughs>
You know, like it it got really hard though, like in, oh, in yeah. music school with like oral skills uh, four. I don't know why they did, they didn't just call that class ear training. It apparently used to be called ear training the year before I entered freshman year. Mm-hmm. And then they changed it to oral skills and it's like, man, like it's really hard to you know to uniquely pronounce the word oral, oral. versus oral. oral. <laughs> Come on, stop with the sexual innuendos. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh. Well, that's interesting cuz I caught that also when I cuz my first semester of school I was a music major. So I did take oral training as well, and I mean, even our professor at school was like, "Oh, you know, ear training. Welcome to ear training. Whatever, you know, ear training one." And you know, it was the cap, you know, but the class signing up for it was oral training. So I do remember that for myself too. So yeah, like by the time we got to oral skills four, we were like having to sit around the teacher at the piano, of course facing away, like not seeing what he was playing, and then he'd give us a test of like. 10 questions and all the questions were was he played a chord and we had to say what kind of chord it was and it got hard dude like i mean like jazz shit like like oh it's uh you know b flat maybe not like you know b flat or whatever but you know we had to like determine the chord quality you know so it'd be like oh it's a flat seven sharp five with an added 13 whatever you know there's an accidental in there (laughs) It got rough, man. I got pretty good at it, though. Mainly because that teacher was by far the hardest teacher, or professor, rather. This is college. This is in high school. But um, the hardest professor that I ever had in in school, in university, hands down. I had him for oral skills four, and I learned a lot. Like, I mean, he forced us to be good because we only had, like, a few homework assignments here and there, and then most of it was tests. And then it was only, like, four tests the whole semester so if you sucked at one you sucked at everything so <laughs> and then uh i had that professor again when i took him for um i think i think the class was called history of the popular song mm. and so it basically was like 1800s or late 1800s and on so starting with um what's that dude's name stephen foster he's like considered the first like um american songwriter that started writing songs in the format we now listen to them as you know mm-hmm. like verse chorus verse whatever you know so the song that everyone always references back to by him is i dream of a genie with the light brown hair so if you have a chance listeners i guess go look up i dream of genie with the light brown hair because that's considered the first pop song if you will Anyway, wow. late 1800s to uh, to what we have now. It was what that class was all about. And there were two tests in that whole semester with him. It was the midterm and it was the final. So if you failed one, you failed the fucking class, man. Damn. So that's pretty much it. Yeah. How did you guys feel about that? I had a few professors that did that, like the midterm and a final. And I even had some professors that that's it. You had those two grades and that was it. I felt the that pressure... If I enjoyed the class, I was gonna do well. Uh, my I do feel like my grades uh, weren't at par if I didn't enjoy the class. And then it, with that only, or with those only being the only two tests or assignments for the whole semester, uh, you know, it affected you know everything. Obviously, the GPA and whatnot. Mm. Yeah, I uh, personally enjoyed that format. But again, you said like if it's subject matter that that you like or that you dislike, it might affect it one way or another. Um, I can't say for anything that I, I disliked because I never experienced that with the course. Um, that was something that I disliked. I only experienced it that one time, and it was 
you know, we're talking about songwriters and the evolution of, of song, of popular song. So I was like, yeah, all about it. Like, totally. I'm all in. So I was, I mean, I very much enjoyed going to that class, even though it was like a once a week class and we sat there for four hours while he just went off on some mm -hmm. shit. But he's a dude, too, that like remembers dates and names very specifically. Oh, yeah, just March so-and-so, 1963, Leo Fender sells Fender to ABC, like, you know, right. and, like, all this shit. And it's, oh, fuck, like, this guy really recalls some facts about some shit. Like, he just, he just in it. Yeah, he's yeah. just in it about, he's just about it. Yeah, he was very much all about that stuff. Wow. Really good professor. Killer guitar player, killer musician. He's such a cool dude. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, there was uh, your favorite, Andy, your favorite professor of mine mm -hmm. kind of had that format. I took like three classes with him, and I think two of them were were very much like that. Um, very very few like assignments in between and just major tests. Um, but I think he he did a an okay job at focusing what we needed to know, like the material that that we needed to know, and ha not having so many like assignments and stuff in between really helped to focus and and work towards those those exams. So. Honestly, like I, I can't say I love it because in other classes where I had more work in between, it maybe helped me learn the material better. But uh, it's, I don't know, I don't, I don't, I don't love it and I don't hate it. So, and it, the cool thing is that we're done with that stuff, so we don't have to worry about yeah, it anymore. So relieved, thank God. One thing I'm gonna, I want to try to add to this part is, okay, now for the professors that wanted. Uh, homework assignments. They wanted proof that you knew it. You know, they give you extensive homework. How did how did you guys feel about that? Can you define extensive homework? Like, oh, okay. Well, okay. The the subject matter is ha like proving your work, proving like what you know through homework. Maybe I I don't think extensive homework is maybe the right word, but maybe those professors that gave you homework that they I guess maybe more guided you. Yeah, I through think the if, course. If I understand what you're saying. I think I, I enjoyed it because, like I said, it gave me time to, like, practice the material and, and, and make sure. Because for me, it was a bunch of, like, you know, formulas for, like, you know, net present value. Like, a bunch of finance stuff and, and retirement courses and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So, it gave, me, it gave me an opportunity to really learn the material and, and practice a lot of these, these formulas and calculations and stuff. So, for me, I, I think I, I enjoyed that better. Um, of course, we still had our tests and stuff, but the material in between really helped me build up to those exams. I don't know that I ever had homework where I had to do that sort of thing, but I know for those exams that, uh, you know, the, the for that class, the evolution of the popular song class, um, man, every time I start with the word evolution, I'm like, oh, the evolution of dance, that YouTube video? That's <laughs> <laughs> what I want to go into. But um, evolution of the popular song or history of the popular song, whatever. But so when we took those midterms and those finals, it was basically broken up to like a matching section. And um, so it was like match the something pretty simple, you know, like just match the definition with the word, whatever. But he didn't like tell us what the quote vocabulary terms were. Mm. We just kind of had to know what it was. And I know that sounds like easy, like everything has its own distinct thing. But I mean, you're, you're talking about popular songs and popular music. Like there's a lot of crossover I would say that gets yeah, really a lot similar. of popularity. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of shit that gets really similar. So um, I wish I could think of an example right now off the top of my head. I might think of one later. But there was that first section, section A. And then section B was just like essay rant, 
pretty much. Mm. And I say rant because he literally wanted you to throw up information on the page. Because, gotcha. like, in, in no, you know, um, organized shape or form, really? no, like, intro, body, or conclusion, climax, whatever. Like, he just wanted you to throw up information he on the page. He facts yes. now. Interesting. I, I know uh, when I took, I remember in high school taking one of, I guess, AP history that we took. We were, t- we were going over, we were starting to develop or trying to develop how to write, like, you know, with having two facts for, like, economics and then, or, and so, uh, social factors economic factors political factors you know that particular teacher that we took he wanted you know two facts per like section that makes mm-hmm. sense do you guys remember that um i when i got to college i finally understood what he meant and our professor was the exact opposite of what your professor did where mm-hmm. he wanted it structured now he didn't give us a limit on facts but basically if you didn't read the book you weren't going to get them anyways and he i mean you know he, and he knew that obviously uh, and so you had to read the book but yeah he was he was opposite as far as what he wanted on the paper compared to what, okay. what you said. Yeah, this guy wanted quite literally every fact that he told us in class about a certain historical musical event or whatever. Like he everything he told us he wanted it on that essay. If it was relevant to the topic of the essay. Cuz he'd give us like essay choice A, B and C. Pick one, do it. So you know, whatever we were writing about is spew everything it I told there. you now. And if you miss something minus 1 Miss another thing minus two. Yeah. Miss another thing minus three. <laughs> you know? That that's very interesting. I know dealing with uh, students now, going back to the main uh, idea of proving answers and whatnot. I know now, it's so crazy feeling like these kids are extremely spoon fed. Yes. I'm talking middle school and like elementary, mm-hmm. and I guess I'll start with my little rant on this. But these pr- these teachers are providing pencils they're providing paper kids are walking in with nothing because they know that the teachers are going to have these supplies for them uh when i sub- when i subbed this week one of the students like sir let me just go to the office they'll give us pencils and they gave us pencils wow and they're used pencils like they're not like brand new pencils like they're pre-sharpened and whatnot but they're good to go and it's like how do we not necessarily fix that but how do now now that that's a thing how do we like take it away and uh, to me you can't and it's it's incredible because it's like you're not. Sh- I I went on a, a responsibility rant to my students, these because I substitute I subbed the same class two days in a row, so by the second day like they got comfortable with me, which is cool. I mean that's that's good. I I want them to be comfortable, but yeah, I had to put a foot down because I was like, wait a minute, how do you come to school without anything? And these are sixth graders, so I'm like, okay, you're growing up, you're going to seventh, you're going to eighth grade, you're going to high school next, then you're going to college. I, in that in this situation, I didn't really give them a uh, choice. I just right, you know, you're going. trying to yeah, trying to help in trying to help you know edu- educators say you know go, go to college yeah, and whatnot. In their right, right, and, and be a part of that movement. But I'm like, you're going to college. I'm like, in college, you have to buy your own books. I did feel a certain way because the students like, the sir, we're poor. And I said, okay. I'm like, do you have a cell phone? And like, yeah. I'm like, okay. If you have a cell phone, you can get school supplies. That was my final like kind of like piece to that conversation with that yeah. with those students, because it even saying that out loud, I'm like man, like I just couldn't I couldn't believe the scenario, and then yet all these kids have have tablets and cell phones. Wow, that's um that's one thing that really scares me, and um, the several uh, the past several times that I've subbed, um, it's been, you know, at, at the schools it's kind of been you know lower income families, you know, lower income area, you know, um. 
even to the point where um, the, the teachers are telling me that that several of the students are, you know, a couple to several of the students are actually homeless. Like their families are homeless and, and you know, like they shower at like at the rec center. Yeah. And like live in the park, basically. So like, I was like, shit, you know. That's yeah, rough. right, right. Right. And and that that's like the sad part, because some of these kids, they're not. And I was re-listening to Seth Godin this uh, these past couple of days, mm-hmm. just the main one he has out with Tim Ferriss. And uh, he talks about uh, parents using the busy card to not be with their kids. And he's like, don't do that. Don't 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 say you're too busy. He's like, bu- being busy is a trap. And I'm like, and what I thought was, okay, in our three in our three cases here in this room, we don't have any kids, so we don't have the attachment yet. Right. But yet, okay, Eddie, you have your brother. I have my cousin. Brian, you have two siblings. And uh, so I did connect all that, and it's like, don't use a busy card for them because they're the next generation. And right now, we're like, this is the epitome of what he's talking about. And it's worse because this, this conversation with Seth Godin, I think, was like maybe 2015 or so, mm-hmm. or maybe earlier this year. Either way, it doesn't matter. It was, a, oh, let's say a year ago. And like seeing what I'm seeing now being in the school system, even if it's just every once in a while, it's very much a thing. And even one of the students, uh, one of the teachers that I was with, she's like, I'm going to call your mom. No, mom. No, no, mom. No, miss. She's busy. And first thing I connected was Seth Godin. I'm like, don't use a busy card for your kids. I'm like, and one of the examples he says, or I guess he goes on is to say, uh, if you can't spend two hours a day with your child talking with him, Putting your putting your cell phone away, conversing, and you know, built developing that developing that relationship with them, then you're gonna have a lot of uh, I guess rebuttaling a lot of uh, harder times when they get older, you know, and then and then they're gonna go on to society a certain way, and you know, then we're then we're gonna yeah. have we as a society are gonna have to do. They're gonna with go that into person. society with the same values they were raised. Right. Yes. It's gonna carry over. What did you have, Eddie? You had something come up this week, uh, yeah, with proving and you know trying to explain to these students like why they needed to prove their answers. Yeah, I was gonna say there was this one kid who's really bright, like he gets his work done super fast. Okay, yeah. and um, like, for all intents and purposes, shouldn't be in the GT class. Is not in the GT class, and I'm just kind of like, why the fuck is this kid not in the GT class? Because he finishes like 20 minutes before everyone else does. And all of his answers are right. And what grade is this? Uh, this was fifth grade. Okay. And uh, and all of his answers are always right. Like they're they're always almost all of them correct. You know, for the most part. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so the teacher specifically put down in the instructions to have make sure like to reiterate to the students to do their strategies and show their work and et cetera et cetera. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, like that's what the teacher put. That's what I'm gonna tell them. That's what they're gonna do. So. You know, I'm picking up the work. Like I tell him, like, raise your hand when you're done, and I'll come by, and I'll give you the next time and pick up the one you just finished, right? I'll trade you. So when this kid raises his hand, he's, of course, always the first one, and I go over there, and I, you know, I'm scamming through his work. I'm looking through his pages, and there's no work. There's just circled answers. <laughs> and, uh, and I'm just like, dude, like, y- you want to try this again? You want to show some work? And he's just there kind of like looking at me like, are you serious? Like, you know, just really frustrated. So he takes it back, <laughs> and he... Shows a little bit of work, like underlines the questions and like <laughs> <laughs> circles keywords from the questions <laughs> and then turns it back into me. And I was like, no, 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 no. You know, you got to show your work, you know, draw some pictures, mark your paragraphs, put right. the quote where you found the answer, you know, mm-hmm. do all that shit. 
and whatever. And, and it's funny because me, myself, as a student that age growing up, I hated showing my work, especially for reading. Is it, this was for a reading assignment. Yeah, for reading, it was always like, what the hell? It's right there. Like, <laughs> Did you not what, read the passage? <laughs> <laughs> Right, uh, it's like you really, you really mean I have to go all the way back and highlight this vocabulary term and the sentences around it, and then <laughs> mark down uh, paragraph one, line six. Yeah, and yeah, then like, there's like 25, 25 lines in the whole entire story. So like that's like half the <laughs> half the story. Mm-hmm. <laughs> lines twenty through twenty one, or one through twenty one. Yeah, whatever my personal feelings are, or our personal feelings are with that aside. Yes, yes. Absolutely. The teacher wanted him to show his work, mm-hmm. so I was like, you know, you got to go back and show your work, dude. So. Whatever, so you know, he went back and he did that, and it was constantly like that throughout the whole class period, uh, which lasted, uh, I think, like close to two hours or a little over two hours, something okay. like that. Anyway, because mm-hmm. there were like three assignments, so okay. it was just you know, it's like substitute. Right. Okay. Were were did did they like like switch classes? Were they like in rotation rotation or was they just stayed in the same class? Yeah, right? there's like three fifth grade teachers, and they each see them for different for things. Okay. Yeah, which is weird to think about how that's like how elementary schools run now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I uh, I did a. F- fourth grade class that they did that they, they now rotate as well so i'm like they're they're diving deeper and deeper to trying to develop their responsibility sk- skills yeah earlier i think it's even more like a divide and conquer thing for the uh for the teachers themselves mm. um especially with the 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 star testing i was gonna say tax because that's what it was when we were growing up but <laughs> now it's back to star right, right so it's like okay whatever with two ways wow anyway back to this kid so um you know, and, and he's not the only one. He's the main one, but it's it sticks out to he sticks out to me because he's clearly um, one of the smarter ones, if not the smartest kid from that group of that class, right? So something about that just really um, um, like uh, like stood out with me with him. And, and I guess I got to say too, it wasn't just that one day I, I had that same class Thursday and Friday. So I saw this over the course of a couple of days. So I I basically directed this to the whole class before they left for rotation for the next one. And I basically told them, it's like, you know, by show of hands, like someone answer this question, but raise your hand, answer the question. And it's like, if I told you that two plus three equals four, would you believe me? And then, so, you know, several students raise their hand and I call on one. And then this girl's like, no, I wouldn't believe you. And then I say, well, why not? And she goes, well, cause like two plus three equals five. And I told her, I was like, you're sure. She goes, yeah. I was like, well, what if I told you it was four? I was like, you can trust me. I'm an adult. I have a college education. I'm educated. <laughs> like, I'm much older than you, much smarter than you, much wiser. I've been through more. Like, and I'm telling you, two plus three equals four. Is it, you sure you don't want to, you sure you wouldn't believe me? And she's like, I I don't know. And I just, it's like, <laughs> well, well, what's it going to take for you to believe me? And she goes, well, then I guess I'd need you to show me. I was like, oh, I was like, so you need me to prove it to you. And she's like, yeah. And so I was like, so then I finally, you know, get away from that example. And I'm like, see, see guys, why it's important to show your work now? Why your teacher wants you to show your work? Because you can't just go off into the world spouting off, you know, randomness, random facts about stuff. Or Or random what you think may be a fact, and it's not. It's just completely false. not even an opinion. It may just be false wrong. It may just be ignorant. Two plus three is not four, right? And we know that. So that's just a false answer. It's just the wrong answer. Yeah. yeah, you can't go doing that kind of shit unless you're like a news media outlet or a politician. It's <laughs> the it's the only two times you can do that. <laughs> uh, anyways, but yeah, so that's the experience I had with with that kid, and um, I was really glad that um, you know I I saw his face maybe not like light up. It's not like the way I want to put it, but it affected him somehow. Yeah, 
and it showed on his face. I could see that it affected him. Right. So I was glad it did. That's good. Uh, I was actually going it, to – in addition to that, I had the ex- same experience. I guess, It was Wednesday or Thursday because those were the two days I was out subbing. And uh, same thing with that with these with a few students, particular ones. Like, uh, I also had the same thing. Same thing. Uh, I had like I I think it was four regular classes, and then two GT classes. Right, so it was mixed, but it was math, and uh, so it worked out fine for me because I, I enjoy math. So I you know I was able to go back into like this gen like basic algebra. I'm like, oh my god, like I hope I you know they're they're going to like foil and like different basic stuff and I'm like man okay I, I hope I did this right because then like I'm turning these papers into the teacher and she's like oh no they're okay I'm like okay make, <laughs> making sure because anyways anyways what's uh, foil again it's first outside inside last is that right yeah yes yeah. fist pump uh, but I had a few students in both GT and regular where they got it the first time and I thought that was so cool and I'm like man like and I, I, I felt this little rush of dopamine. And I, I, but it was interesting because I actually felt I'm like, man, I felt excited for this kid because he got it the first time. And then my next example was the, were the kids that, that didn't get it the first time and they asked me over and over again. But for me, I was glad they were asking, period. Because I know when I was that, like, maybe at some point I think maybe I would have asked it for help, but I generally didn't. I know I didn't. I right. was very much an introvert when it came to showing my work whether I was right or wrong, mm-hmm. you know, and then I get it wrong and then I get in trouble and, you know, then there goes that. But uh, for those kids, I know I felt grateful. And what I mean by grateful is like this student that didn't get it, that means I didn't explain it right the first time. Okay, let me, let me try let me try to find a better way to explain it this time. And then from there, some then some, some then some other students got it and they were, they were able to move forward, right? So then there were some other students that still didn't get it, but they were still asking. So, okay. I'm like, okay, how is it? How am, how am I gonna again try to describe this problem right. to them? So then finally, I th- most of them like three times was like the max that they needed, which is which is still good. I think it's still good. And what I got from that and still being grateful was like patience. A lot of people won't go to the third time to say without getting mad. And like the way I see, I mean, I'm a, I'm very detached from these students because I only see them you know twice, and I probably won't see them for like another month or two if that if I get you know if I get called by the right. same by the same prof- by the same teacher professor, um. So, I know uh, I felt like that you know I felt excited for the kids who got it the first time and I felt grateful for the students who got it after the second or third time, and I know that having that patience to just walk through it again like okay it's my fault i'm the one teaching and like i think about all the teachers out there like and i want to get some interviews in with teachers because they have so much to do you know and i i know i've said this over and over again but it's just it's still again mind-boggling going through this you know two three times a week only i don't have kids full time you know whatever so i only deal with this every once in a while and even then i just see these kids like like goodness you know it's it's an incredible thing to watch them try to learn you know, there's these kids are 10, 11 years old, you know, trying to learn. Yeah. I like especially what you were saying about, um, well, they're still not getting it. This is kind of also maybe my fault because I'm the educator in the situation. So if they're not learning. There must be something I might be doing wrong. Right. And that's something that um, when I first started teaching voice lessons about a year and a half ago now, which is nuts to think about how fast time flies since then. But when I first started teaching voice lessons, it, it was kind of that same experience that I was having. Um, starting out like ah this this kid's not getting it I have to try something different and then he still didn't get it like I, I, I've got to try something different 
and then again, something different. Just flank and flank and flank and mm-hmm. flank until something finally works, and then you can build off of it. Yep. Even like uh, going back to like the substitute teaching thing, a, a lot of common questions I get throughout the day is, "What does this word mean?" Yes. And you, you know, do you get that a lot? Mm-hmm. Yes. And then you have to. <laughs> it's always like the simplest words that like you have the most trouble explaining. Yeah. Like, uh, what is uh? I'm trying to think of a word. Um, that I got recently that really stumped me. I've got I've gotten transparency mm. in fourth grade. Well, fourth grade. <laughs> I was gonna say maybe. I mean, us when we were in fourth grade, I think we still used transparencies on the overhead projector, so that was an easy one for us. But now, yeah, I can <laughs> well, see how maybe they don't know what that means. Right. Well, it's not. Well, the well, imagine trying to. Okay, it says. How is this word more transparent than the other word? Or like it was one of those things. So it wasn't necessarily right. a physical thing. So even then like No, but 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 knowing what the physical transparency oh, yeah, was okay. could help you understand. Understand. Yeah, so yeah. we knew what transparent meant. Like right. it's a transparency. Yeah, you can see so, you know, obviously the word transparent means, you know, to be clear. You know, you could see uh through it direct. You know, we 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 had like a physical object to kind of relate it to the word. Right. And now it's like, um, well, Back in my day, <laughs> <laughs> it's like when you can see through something. Yeah. You know, it's not. It's not. You know. It's maybe not real to a certain extent. You know, uh, at some point. Yeah, it can be invisible. The 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 more basic a vocabulary word it is, the harder it is to explain. It man, some of them really stump me sometimes. <laughs> yeah, I uh I got one um the other day that was um composition. I was like, oh, that's not terrible to explain. You know, it's like well. In this case, it was um, like for a science assignment. So it was like the, the composition of Earth and the sun are different in the sense of, or whatever. The question was something like that. And it's like, well, the sun's made of gases and the Earth's made of rock and shit. So, you know, <laughs> <laughs> rock and shit. <laughs> so, but, um, you know, so in this case, like composition, they meant, like, you know, what's it composed of? What's it made of? You know, so it's not, wasn't too difficult. I wish I could remember a word, though, that just really stumped me that I had a hard time explaining. Going back to um, what you were saying about kids and technology, um, because I've been thinking about that, too, especially working with the the lower-income family students Mm -hmm. that um, still manage to have the latest smartphone on the market. Right. And... and it's just kind of like, okay, like wh- where do the priorities come in line? You know, to get your kid a new pair of shoes that they desperately need because they've outgrown the ones they're currently wearing or they need the phone. And, and I understand like the argument can be made that, that they need a phone for the communication with the parent because I remember, I think I got a phone when I was 13 when Sprint still had the red insignia and not the, the current yellow one they have. It's oh, not yeah. like old makes me feel <laughs> anyway but um but i remember getting a phone when when i was 13 mostly because um you know i'd have like tennis practice after school or there's or, or something going on all the time so it was for that communication with the parents right you know so um and that's really all i used it for i didn't even use it to i didn't discover text messaging till we got to i mean to high school like late in high school like junior year interesting so I don't remember, I don't remember when I got myself. I know it was I got mine in middle school. I probably was seventh grade. I started playing sports. I was you know I was in football and track and cross country everything. So I guess that's when it started for me. 
Yeah. And I, I, well, for me particularly, I do remember texting immediately. Like whoever had uh, like friends, right. quote unquote, you know, school friends that had phones oh, as well. Man. So I didn't get one till like I think eighth grade, but I remember one time we went over to a friend's house for a birthday party, and I specifically <laughs> remember we we would prank call people. <laughs> so, and I, I I remember specifically one person we prank called Andy <laughs> that night, and he didn't pick up, but we left him some like funny song i don't forget we like as his voice like in his voicemail um but yeah so i don't know i don't i don't remember if i had a cell phone at that time but i know we were prank calling people my dilemma with the kids having the phones is um and and being that they're from a lower income background mm-hmm. um you know where there's maybe not so much luxury as as uh, so much as you just kind of have what you need if you can get what you need um, or just having enough, I guess. But um, anyway, lower income families, and well, like in a world where we're becoming more and more dependent on technology, because that's just where everything's moving, right? Technology, and it's growing exponentially by the day. You know, mm-hmm. the, the techn- technology is advancing just beyond our wildest dreams every freaking day. And then, um, you know, in accordance with the uh, the dependence that we have on technology, um, you know, going with that everything's leaning toward technology and it's only getting more and more and more expensive. So for the like lower income families, like, okay, if technology is going to be the priority before say a backpack or new shoes or new socks or food or whatever, you know, maybe not so extreme as food, but cause I would hope they'd feed their kid before they bought him a phone. Mm, but, um, yeah. I've heard some stuff I'll, I'll mention after you're done. Woof. Good. But, um, anyway, like, where technology is getting more and more expensive and and we're depending on it more and more and more, what's going to happen to the lower class of people that can't afford the technology that they need to maintain you know status quo with the world? What's going to happen to that part of the class? That's something that's been heavily on my mind. I don't know. I've thought a lot about children this week. Um, it started when earlier in the week I finished The Road. Reading the Road by Cormac McCarthy, and then uh, watched the movie last night actually with my brother. It's pretty good too. Nice. But uh, for anyone not familiar with the novel, The Road is about a post-apocalyptic world in which um, a man and his kind of coming-of-age son, um, you know, are, are um, you know pretty much just stranded on their own, and they can't survive another winter in the geographic location they're at so they decide to gather up as much stuff as they can put it in a grocery cart and just walk down the road (laughs) right 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 and going south towards hopefully warmer weather and so it's the whole book's just kind of about their struggles along the way and um, other survivors that they encounter and a lot of the world has turned to cannibalism so they spend a lot of time just trying to survive and and not get killed or get eaten you know it's it's really rough man like by the like the end of that book just had me in tears because there's just a whole bunch of rough shit surrounding the dad and surrounding the child and what they've been through um over the you know what they've gone through over the course of the of the story and how it ultimately ends too was just rough and then so in accordance with that as you know spending all the time subbing for for these uh for these kids so I, I don't know. Children, 
and, and I guess everything around that has just been kind of weighing very heavily on my mind. And the kind of lessons we teach them, whether we mean to or not, you know, yep. what we instill in them by accident or on purpose. Accidentally on purpose. Yeah. Because, like, a lot of the things I've been noticing at, at um, you know, that for this uh, particular group of, of low-income um, low-income family students, like, some of their parents are just kind of seem to me to be poor on paper. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, uh, they're maybe getting, like, like welfare or help from the government or, you know, they live in government housing. But somehow or another, they have, like, a 2000 like a 2017 2018 if they're out already like yeah, right. escalate or right. cadillac or whatever you know and it's just kind of like well wait a minute it's like your son's feet are too big for his shoes and he's constantly complaining about how his toes hurt how his feet hurt and you have a fucking cadillac yep. that came out this year something's not right yeah and the, the crazy thing about that is that's part of our generation that's the millennial thing too. Like that selfishness? Yeah. I can't stand it when people are selfish with their own kids. With with other kids or with other human beings, it's I don't want to say not as bad, but it doesn't rub me it as may, yeah, as it, wrong. it may be a little more it's a little more rational. Right. Yeah. But when it's when you see millennials with their children and they're in that situation. It's but I don't I don't even think it's specifically a millennial thing. I've been hearing about this type of stuff since we were young, like mm. you know, like the generation before us. Right. Well, I was well, I, I was gonna add, you know, right now the kids that we're subbing for, they're millennial parents for the most part. Right. The the I mean, I'm I'm substituting middle school, and these kids were born in 2004, 2005, so that's not that long ago. Yeah. But. I don't disagree with you because it, it's it's definitely been a thing for a long time. Uh, but I was just gonna say that because, like I said, that's what that's what we've seen. But I like that you brought that up because that's also very much a thing that we've you know it, it's always been a thing. It just now, you know, it's leaking into the next one with you know millennials and then right. you know trying to help fix or at least mitigate that. You know, I would hope so for the better of children and their upbringing so that they can then proceed to do well. You know, for themselves and for their families and the people that they care about. I guess, like, uh, I'm sure it's always been a thing for, it, you know, it, there's there's got to be some parallel down the line, like, to, to where it's just kind of always been a thing somewhere, somehow. I guess for me, I've just not barely been noticing it, because I'm, I'm sure I've noticed it before, but it's been, like I said, just weighing heavily on my mind. It's been circling yep. all week for me. Yep. And it's a lot easier for that to happen because you're substituting. You're, 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 you're now, we're, we, me and you are now interacting with these kids. You know, at some point, even one on one, if they ask for if they ask for help or something, you know, you get to, you get to know these kids. You know, in, in eight hours, exposed to it. Yeah, you get to, in eight hours, you get to see it. And it's like okay. Uh, I did have one th- this one student. I think it was last week, and a uh, little 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 bit of a temper tantrum. He had a little bit of temper temper, but once I figured him out, it was it was like okay. I got, once like once I figured him out, I got him on my side. The rest of the day was easier. And and it, it was once I once I once I saw that I was like man like how I mean the only question that I'm not gonna ask me how bad is it at home you know that you're you're lashing out at me 
to do something very simple. Of course, he's a young kid, so I'm trying to help him understand. And once I was able to get that and get him on his, on his side, it was the rest of the day was easy. But I I just saw his lashing out, and it was very. At some point, it seemed very. Uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It seemed very random because of the certain subjects that we were going through. Because we're it was mostly tests all day, so it wasn't like I was like having it. I wasn't able to interact with him because they were taking tests, mm-hmm. so I was limited on what I was able to say. But then there was something that it would trigger him, and he, boom, he'd go off, and he kind of calmed down, and boom, he'd go off again. And but what, like I said, once I once I was able to find that thing that okay and then he's like okay hey sir like what you know he was able to help me or I, I, he was able to ask me for help and you know we were able to move forward for the rest of the day but uh, definitely interesting to see these kids you know acting in certain ways as you know eight-year-olds i think kids are always interesting there's uh there's so much that that goes on in their head and sometimes so little that goes on in their heads at the same time like some that are just so intuitive and so aware and then others that are just kind of in their own little world being kids so you know if when we ever get it when we get into like the the topic of kids at least for me it's just it's it's so mind-blowing like the the spectrum of of children and i mean i i remember being a very i think aware child and mainly because of my situation at home um people always said that I was a very mature mm. boy mm. um so yeah i can only imagine how many other kids like that are out there and how many kids of on the extreme end of the spectrum are out there and yeah. everybody in between so yeah. kids are just man yep yeah. uh another example that i had this week was uh in 6th grade but i had my first student not care what the teacher said now i've had some other like ah oh, sir but eventually they calm down they get back to work this kid straight up didn't care i sat him by himself didn't care i said well i'm gonna tell your teacher and he's like what all she's all she's gonna do is just give me lunch detention like it's no big deal you know being immune to lunch detention which it was a big de- i mean i i didn't want to be in lunch detention ever you know whatever yeah. you know whatever and this kid he and and i didn't i mean it didn't get to the point of me having to send him to the office. It didn't get to the point. And usually I try to keep, you know, uh, you know, I don't want to leave a terrible letter to the teacher, but I, I will be honest with her. You know, right. I always leave a brief, you know, to the teacher, whoever. I'm, you know, I, I leave a brief. Okay, this is what happened. You know, if anybody stuck out, okay, this is, you know, but usually I try to take care of it. And, you know, it's like, it's, it's not a big deal. You know, we're, you know, he's still a child in the end, no matter what. Now, of course, if I think if it were to get physical, which, you know, so far I haven't had that. I haven't had a student walk out either. You know, I, I, I'm kind of now anticipating that, but it's so over hasn't happened. But anyways, uh, seeing, but just seeing him just not, he, you know, whatever. And then, and him and like a couple of other friends were, uh, they were talking like AP cause like they have friends that are in AP and they were just like, Oh yeah, it's, it's like a thing. And like, yeah. they're okay with it. And it's just, it's not, it doesn't freak me out. It's a very dense observation. You said the words walk out right now, and it triggered this memory that was just buried. Um, when we were in middle school, I don't know if you guys remember this, but when we were in middle school, I think this is when we were in eighth grade. I'm 90% positive this is when we were in eighth grade. But um, there was like, do you guys remember a walkout happening? Yeah. Now it's coming back. I and knew yeah, immediately. As I soon did. as you brought that up, I knew exactly what you were talking about. I'm trying to remember what it was about. Um, I know it started at the at the university here, 
which it's UTRGV now, but back then it was University mm-hmm. of Texas Pan American, Pan Am, as we call it here locally. But um, it was some some student at at Pan Am here at the university that started it. I'm trying to remember what the political reason was about why he did this. I want to say it had something to do with immigration, actually. I think you're right. I'm going to have to look it up for clarification here while you guys take over some conversation after I'm done here. Because I really want to clarify over what it was. But I remember when we were sitting there in that classroom, in the 8th grade classroom, and the teacher tells us, don't be foolish, don't do anything you'll regret, and don't do, basically, like, like you know, just be smart about it. Think it through. Like, is it really worth you causing this ruckus or this trouble? And then she let us make our own decision. Of course, I'm not a fucking idiot. I wasn't an idiot <laughs> yeah. as a kid. I stayed in class. But, um, because otherwise I would have gotten my ass beat at home. Right. And I, I think a majority of us stayed in class. But we did, yeah. I think some I mean, some students did Ooh, walk out, right. you know, yeah. eighth grade. I mean, really, we're in eighth grade, guys. Like, you guys have nothing to do with the university yet. You know, like, as yeah. far as, like, you know, I feel like, okay, you can express your opinions. But that was the beginning of what we are now. Not just that, but did we really understand what was going right. on? Like, what the cause of this walkout was? And, like, now, for me, I don't know half the stuff that's going on in mainstream media even now. Like, right. I don't. Me, me individually. Mm-hmm. So, like, back then, probably even less. I played football. I was in band. I played baseball outside of school year-round by this point. You know, like, I had, I was, you know, not engaged with that stuff at all. Yeah. So all I remember was saying someone saying... And no offense to anybody out there, but this is the way they said that all the Mexicans are walking out at like, let's say, 3 p.m. or something like that. And I do remember that something about immigration. That's why I, I, I agree with Eddie when he brought it up. I was like, yeah, something along those lines. But um, I do remember like that being said and 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 um, me not really knowing what was going on or. But yeah, I was no way in hell I'm going to walk out of class like <laughs> right, imagine right. the trouble I'd be in hell no like, oh man but okay okay let, let's for the ones who did walk out for the trouble that we know we'd be in for them it was nothing obviously obviously yeah and it was get back to class now and then they got back to class <laughs> right right yeah and and really like it's we don't know the situation at home mm-hmm. so maybe they did know what was going on and maybe they they felt you know they compelled to to, yeah. to take part in all that mm-hmm. so i don't know i don't remember what the cause right, was. right yeah maybe they do they they felt strongly mm-hmm. about it and maybe they didn't can but you, can you really feel strongly about a cause though like when you're 13 well it depends on the situation at home okay you never yeah, know like it could be that extreme where they they know exactly what this was about and they're affected by it or they're not and i'm only saying that because you just you never know what's going on at home there's you know that's a good point one uh, one thing I'm gonna reiterate is because I I think I said this on the first podcast, but I brought up these sixth graders when because they brought up this was at another school, but these particular sixth graders like sir like do you think Trump's gonna send us back? And this See, these so were the, something like and that. these were the kids that they come from Mexico, so English is their second language, right? And I'm trying to communicate with them, and they, and they understood me, and I I, mean, I think we had a, a decent com- communication. You know, the barrier was manageable. It was there, but it was manageable, you know, for both of us. So it was all good. But when they asked me that question, like, it it got me because it's like, I don't want to lie to them, but I'm not gonna. Uh, I don't want them to to get away from their work. 
Because I'm like, as long as they work hard, if I can still help them work hard, then they're still going to be successful. I hope for them to be still be successful anyways, no matter what happens with our political situation. So I told him, look, nothing's going to happen. You guys will be fine. I'm like, what I want you to do is concentrate on your work. I'm like, you guys are smart kids. You guys are very smart. You guys are learning English. Like this is like this is awesome. I try I try not to take it for granted because I it's my first language. But I have family that only speak Spanish. Fine. In their case, you know, their family situation, this is this is a family thing for them. It's not any one thing, you know, for you know, in our case, I mean I was born here, Brian you weren't, Eddie you were. You know, like we have those I mean there's three different things, you know. And it's it's interesting and I don't know if this is this is attached to it, but like me growing up with family members who went to like different schools, like on different sides of the town, you know, north side and south side. I went to, right. you know, quote unquote, the south side of town, you know, school there. And my family, for the most part, was on the north side. But like even that was different. Even that barrier was different, you know, just the way things were being conducted during school time. And if you go to the east side, it's even more different. And it's even more different. And now it's even more because now it's four sections of schools. Yeah. It's not just, you know, and. Uh, yeah, yeah. So they, uh, just that, just that, like you know, the different house situations. You know, and the further out you go, the you know, I feel the deeper the causation is going to be. Yeah, I do remember um, seeing on the news later on that evening um, when that walkout did happen. I remember seeing in the news as a kid, they were interviewing the guy at the university, the student at the university who was responsible for starting that that little movement, right? And they told him on camera that it shuffled all the way down to. To high school and middle school level. Okay. And that some middle school kids were getting in trouble for walking out of class. And how he felt about it. And he admitted that he felt kind of bad and guilty about it because he didn't want it to extend that far. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like he didn't want it, like to affect kids in that, I guess, negative way to the yeah, point yeah. where they needed to escape their studies. Mm-hmm. For the university, it's different because that's an option. Right, absolutely. Right? You're, you're paying to go and whatnot. Yeah. You know, it's definitely much an option. Uh but anyway, sorry, before you continue, um, with all that being said, it, I was going to tie that back to what I was saying about what we sometimes accidentally teach our children or teach the next generation without knowing, you know, and you, you got to be careful with that shit. You, you never know what's going to stick in someone's head. Because yeah. I know for me, being a kid, like I can remember shit that's stuck in my head, mm-hmm. like still now, right. you know, and not necessarily good or bad shit. But, like, I remember, for example, um, this is not, like, an extreme situation, but I remember in high school, one of my English teachers told us that the, you know, like, uh, you know, like, the word lives, like, like my life, your life, plural, lives, okay. the lives of others, you know, the w- that's the way you use it, mm-hmm. is spelled, you know, it the, the way it's actually spelled is L-I-V-E-S, right? Our lives. Right. But the singular version of the word life is L-I-F-E. Right. And she's, she was so positive that lives, um, like our lives, plural, was spelled L-I-F-E-S. And I was just like, you're fucking nuts, man. It's not spelled that way. <laughs> and you're a fucking English teacher. And she was a really good English teacher, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, like she was great. Um, I guess like her thing was mostly literature. Oh, okay. Um, not so much I can tell. I can tell. But um, but I remember that being a thing, and I was like, "You are a fucking moron." It is spelled L I V E S. God damn it! Wow. 
Anyways, but and again, that's something that has always stuck with me because she is a fucking teacher and she should know how to spell that basic word. Yeah. And and on top of that, I can remember in fourth grade learning the fucking difference between those two spellings and which one is spelled correctly. And I remember because I used to sit next to one of my best friends at the time. And I remember seeing his paper and seeing the answer he put down for what was the correct spelling of that word. And I was like, oh, he's going to get it wrong. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then sure enough, the teacher was like, all right, kids, swap papers. We're going to grade each other's work. And so, of course, I swap with my friend and we grade each other's work. And she's going over the answers. And sure enough, I was like, you got it wrong, dude. Wow, well, I knew it. You, I, get, I remember <laughs> that shit from fourth grade, yeah. bro. Yeah. From fourth grade. If you didn't change his answer, I guess he's not your best friend. <laughs> <laughs> Those were the days. Uh, what I was gonna say, as far as trickling down, to, you know, from college down to eighth grade, you know, middle school in general, I actually tell that to my cousin. I'm like, you're a freshman now. I'm like, these sixth, seventh, and eighth graders are gonna start looking up to you. I'm like, you are the example because I remember being okay, a sixth grader looking up to going to the football games and looking up to everything that I wanted to do, which was yeah. I wanted to be in the drumline and football. I wanted to do both, yeah. and I got. You know, I eventually made my decision once I got to high school, but I would go do all the football games to watch football and I'd go watch the band. Sixth, seventh, and eighth. You know, and so I tell him, like, you will make an impact. I'm like, I promise. And I'm like, whether it's a good or bad one, just keep it in mind. You know, just keep that in mind. You know, I want you to learn. I want you to expand. I want you to be creative. You know, and right now he just actually just signed up for baseball, so that's pretty cool. But he's like, oh, I'm scared to mess up. I'm like, you can't. I'm like, you're going to mess up. When you do, we're going to work on it. I'm like, starting to like today, like I have, you know, I have them this week. And so today we played catch. We went over some basic stuff and that's all we did. Just basic stuff and play catch. Because even then he's like, oh, I'm scared to throw it past you. Throw it past me. We're going to fix it. We're going to adjust. We're going right. to, you know, I'm going to help you through it and whatnot. So, uh, but just the trickle down, it's very much an effective thing. Okay. Now one example I'm going to bring up. Okay. Imagine, cause I think maybe our age group, maybe, maybe five years older too. When they start texting, B four, with a B and a number four, so like when all that starts coming, or that start that kind of started, I think when like during our generation of texting. So yeah. imagine that those are these these people are teachers now. These people are educators that taught that said stuff like that, and that's where what you're saying as far as like uh what trickling down and different things is the next the next level is these teachers teaching wrong. Because and I've seen that. I've seen educators. And I mean, granted, this is just social media, but I've seen educators our age posting on social media with like all of these, not not necessarily grammatical errors because nobody cares about grammar when on social media. Right. But the spelling. <laughs> I kind of care. Well, <laughs> I mean, you care, but not everybody is so, I know, you know, strict about it. But this. I'm pretty sure this particular educator teaches English and misspelling super easy words and in my mind and actually they weren't they weren't necessarily misspelled it was it was the right spelling but the meaning was different and like your your and your yeah or like something like that yeah something like that but it, and I was just like are you kidding me like I really hope you're not I really hope this is you know explicitly to social media and yep. you're not teaching this to your kids because oh man yep like to be honest not that it's like super detrimental but come on like it shouldn't be a problem it's a thing man and it's it's I don't know I don't know yet it's a thing though I don't know that's kind of 
one of my pet peeves when I see, uh, especially for songwriters, I guess I kind of tend to see that first because, um, you know, that's the world I live in 24-7. But um, when I see, like, songwriters misuse a word or spell, like, the wrong version of the word to or your or there, 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 you know, one of those three and they get it wrong. And it's like, come on, man. Like, you you work with language and you don't know language. Like, you know, and and I yep. get that you don't have to be a professional, you know, like English major, liberal arts degree, you know, linguist studies person to be able to write songs. Like, and anyone can write songs, does you know, like any anyone can do it. I totally get that. I totally acknowledge it. But for people that claim it to be the thing that they do professionally, and and you don't know language, you don't know right. grammar. I saw that um, when we were. Um, setting up for sound check at Hillbillies and there was like a, you know, like um, a writing pad that I guess one of the last weekend's band had left behind and I guess they were scribbling lyrics on it and there was a lot of misuse of grammar <laughs> there. Right. And it was kind of like, okay, all right. And what I'm going to tie this and move forward with is uh, leading by example. How can we help? <laughs> By leading by example. <laughs> right. Okay. Now, what I want to get into is, uh, m- this, I guess it's not, it's a good, I guess pretty deep for me is, so my 2016 year pretty much changed starting with signing up to work out at the gym I now work at. Like to work out there now, I work there. So starting with that, I went on this like health thing and I changed everything. Then I started listening to Juggle Podcast and that just added some, another element to like, the working out and the workouts got more intense and the the rationale and the reasoning to do so was to want to live a better healthier life that then extends to want to live a longer life so i can be with my the people i care about longer right now i got to a certain point where i was hoping that that would work like me doing good for myself would help others want to do that and that wasn't the case. You know, trying to trying to lead, you know, trying to eat, of course, eat healthy, train, uh, then develop this character of being a good person. But um, ultimately, at that for the for those few months when I was like, okay, hopefully I can lead by example, it didn't work. Hmm. Because I truly believe how, this goes back to practicing what you preach, right? Right. And so I I do believe in that. I just remember distinctly talking to Brian at some point last year, mid year, sometime like, man, like I'm doing all this stuff and like I feel great, and like no one's like it's it's not it's not doing anything for anybody else but myself, which is I guess it should be like that, you know, because you're helping yourself. Right. But I was hoping to lead by example. So now, well, I'm I'm skipping out to 2017. I'm starting to see the effects. It just took longer than I thought it would take, because I got so deep into it that I was like, okay, I, I, okay, now I, I feel like you know, I it's not like I wouldn't talk like talk about this stuff with any you know my relatives and stuff like, oh, hey, Andy, like, what do you do to lose weight? I'm like, well, work out, you eat good, you know. I count, I would count every single calorie that I worked out and every single calorie I I ate, and so I started with that and whatnot. So I gave them my breakdown, like, oh, whatever, and you know, they would just kind of fish off, you know, they would just flank off, and that was it. It was just brush off of them, and they wouldn't do anything. But now there are particular individuals that I'm like, oh, okay. It just took a little bit longer. Interesting. 
And I think sometimes like it people a lot of people like receive information but they don't necessarily use it. So it it's also in that like just people not taking action. Sometimes it's all it takes and just because you're doing it doesn't mean they're going to do it. Right. So it it just takes a little longer or it just takes a little bit of initiative. Right. Because that, that, you told me something very similar to that when I first was figuring this out. I'm like, man, like I'm trying to better everything in general. And yet for these particular people, it's not, nothing's happening. And you're like, you know, you, you said exactly what you just said right now. And I'm like, yeah. I'm like, okay. I just, I just, I, at that moment, I felt like I had to live with the fact that not everybody will want to live a better path yeah and especially if you're not if you're not their particular like mentor trainer teacher educator it's it's really not gonna affect them that much they're just gonna receive the information and it's up to them because you're not that designated person right they it 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 could go either way and uh i like that you said that right now brian about um you know you may not be their particular mentor um because back to um, my college experience and, and uh, more specifically my fraternity experience, my Greek life experience, um, we had one friend of mine um, who just was that dude that led by example with everything, man. Just such a respectable guy. Um, forwards and backwards, um, on paper and in, in real life reality, just one of the best characters I've ever known. And it's someone I look up to very, very highly. And he never wanted to hold a leadership position in the fraternity. And that's because people would nominate him every, <laughs> every freaking year. Incredible. And uh, we'd always do it in a funny way, too, because uh, he had a really long full name. And, and, of course, we all had nicknames and shorter names for each other. But he had a really long, extensive name. And so like, we'd stand up and like, I nominate so-and-so-and-so-and-so-and-so-and-so, <laughs> the, the fourth, you know, <laughs> and whatever. And he would always go, I respectfully decline. <laughs> that's it. And it was like it was a running thing in our fraternity. They're like, "Yep, I res- he's gonna respectfully decline for everything." Right. <laughs> and um, man, so he just never held a leadership position when he could have easily been elected president time and time over and over again. You know, he was just everyone looked up to him that much. But you know, this is a fraternity. Uh, you know, relatively small size. We're I don't think we're ever bigger than a hundred dudes. But um. With that being said, you know, um, you you should like everyone in your um, in your respective Greek life organization, but you know, there's always the few bad apples that come close to ruining it for everyone. Brian, did you experience that? Mm, very very rarely, but yeah, I do I do agree. Okay, so I guess in my situation, I um, I tend to feel very um, strongly one way or another about people. I guess, especially in this situation, because I cared about the success of the fraternity very much. And there was a core group of people in the fraternity that shared the vision for where we felt we needed to go and and um, better ourselves and better the organization and better our, our college. And then there was a very small sector of the fraternity, maybe about a, a handful of guys or a couple of handfuls of guys, that very much saw the opposite and wanted to lean the fraternity into more of a, um, you know, like, um, animal house kind of way, you know, yeah. like just party and party and rage and rage and rage. <laughs> right. To, at, at, to one point where, um, at one chapter meeting, 
um, one of those guys brought up that we should make the associates, um, who again, uh, to remind anybody who's just listening now and didn't listen for the, I guess the second episodes when we kind of talked about fraternities. Yeah. Um, yeah, second. Yes. So, the, um, you know, um, we call them associates and in my particular fraternity, we'd call them as- associates and not pledges. And, um, but so when I say associates, just think pledges. <laughs> That's why I'm saying this for clarification. But, um, anyways, so at one point in one chapter meeting, this, um, sector of, of guys, they brought up the notion that we should make our associates, um, you know, basically go out and every week get at least three girls, um, telephone numbers. Wow. <laughs> and it's kind of <laughs> like, really? That's kind of superficial. But one of these characters was a very good talker. And when I mean very good talker, I mean like he could, he might as well be a lawyer. He should be a lawyer. Could sell you a pencil. Yes, could sell you a pencil, <laughs> micro. So, um, you know, he painted it up real nice and pretty, yeah, like under the umbrella of like, well, I mean, social skills are important. Yeah, man, you're not wrong. Social skills <laughs> are important, but like, shit, this is yeah. basically borderline. I mean, really what it is, borderline hazing, yeah. you know? It, that's borderline hazing. You can't right. you can't make someone do something like that. You know, I know people usually think of hazing as like something physical or sexual or something, but I mean, it can be something like that too. Yeah. And then not only like hazing for the associates, but could they go into borderline sexual harassment trying to get these numbers? Like, yeah, you never know. And um, and so of course we shot down. Being the majority, um, you know the 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 I guess the crew quote crew I ran with or whatever you know most of the chapter I guess shot the idea down and and you know we all agreed that it was borderline hazing and not a good idea inappropriate so we shot it down pretty quickly. That was earlier on in my experience in the fraternity. Later on, as I got older and got to be one of the senior, um, excuse me, senior members, um, this little group of people kind of grew. And got a little bit bigger. You know, like it started out maybe five, ten people. And then every time we get a new um, class of associates, or class of pledges, they'd influence a little more people. You know? And they, they just kind of had that little growing. And don't get me wrong, like I love all of my brothers in, in their own way, regardless of any um, maybe difference we saw in the fraternity or a difference of, of anything we saw of how it should be leaded and the direction it should go. You know, difference of opinions. Regardless of that, I, I love all of those dudes um, in, in, in unique ways, most of them. <laughs> so, but anyways, um, the, you know, it, it just, you can't influence everyone, right? So like going back to the leading by example, um, like Brian was saying, um, you're maybe not everyone's, example if that makes sense you know for for people uh, for some people other people are examples or better examples for them yeah that was i guess for me because i i definitely targeted of course family members uh certainly my my circle that i do have of associates and friends that i have uh i know that that was my target you know like i said it took a while now that you know it took about a year Mm-hmm. So it's fine now. I mean, you know, to me, it's fine now. But yeah, just finding that and realizing, like, okay, it it just at at that moment, I thought it wasn't gonna happen. I thought, okay, I'm I'm ki- I felt like I was killing myself for nothing hmm. because I know I did it with intent of wanting to help others who were looking for direction, and I thought me doing it, doing the work, would do that, and it didn't. It was more of the communication that that was more important than right. actually doing the work. And sometimes 
those people that you're trying to influence are not ready. And that's not something you can always really force upon, you know? Yeah, it's some, true. Some things do take time. And I think that's something very important to, to, to understand in every aspect of your life. When they say that patience is a virtue, like, it really is. And, and its rewards can, can be phenomenal. So, you know, be patient. Speaking of rewards, uh, I'm going to bring up reality and how my reality is awesome every single day. How do you guys? How do you feel about that, Eddie? How do you feel about your reality? I want to slap your optimistic ass in the next week. <laughs> I get that about once a day at the gym, and I'm like, I don't have time for your pessimism. You're too optimistic. <laughs> Brian hears it. Brian knows what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, I hear it. I'm just giving you hell. Yeah, yeah. It's important to be optimistic, but it's all, other times it's also important to be realistic. But can, can you do both? You should be able to do both, and it should be a, a healthy yeah. mix. I definitely encourage a mix of the both. I would never, ever, never, ever encourage pessimism. <laughs> Why? Right. When is that ever good? Yeah. I'd, ra- I'd rather be overly optimistic than overly pessimistic. Yeah. Pessimistic? Pessimistic. 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 That's when you have, like, roaches and stuff at your house, <laughs> and you're very upset about it. Because <laughs> <laughs> there's a social media post that says reality is overrated. And I was like, nonsense my reality is amazing and yeah. and while even okay i for people that do listen i i'm not like this all the time i have my own things that i am dealing with mentally but it's only mental when i get to go out to sub when i get to go out on shows when i get to go uh train these clients it w- i mean we're here the one thing that i gave uh my mom an example of because we were on the way back from a road trip and she she was giving me uh, what's the word I'm gonna use? She was giving me just trouble for a book that I was reading at the moment. She's like, "Well, why are you why are you reading about this and this?" And it was, of course, about it was about war uh, during Vietnam. And I'm like, "Well, because it helps me just kind of ground myself for the for the people that weren't or not so optimistic, right?" And and she's like, "Well, she's like, well, she's like, but you could be doing something else." I'm like, "But I'm here, like, I'm free," and I've developed that and like i said it's been an ongoing thing but like i'm here my like i'm not working for i'm working for other people for my by by choice i'm not a slave to anything that i don't want to be a slave to right i now i'm not i'm literally not a slave either because that's still like a thing that's out like in the world right i would think i think it is in a lot of forms maybe not in the traditional form of you know, go out there and work the field. Mm-hmm. Right, right, right. But um, right, okay. For the ones that you know, for for the victims that are out in the world, right? And I'm like, I'm not that. I'm like, I'm here. I'm in a vehicle going 70 miles an hour, going back home from a vacation, a short vacation. It was just over the weekend, but still, I'm like, last night I was in Corpus Christi, Texas. This morning I was in New Orleans, Louisiana, and now I'm on wa- I'm on my way back home. That was my weekend. It's like. For me, reality is awesome. And so when I saw that post that you got, or Eddie had shared it on our our group message, and then I was like, "LOL, my reality is <laughs> awesome. It's freaking awesome." And I have, n- I didn't have much else to say than that because it's like that period statement done. Yeah. If you at least convince yourself that it's awesome, then it's awesome. 
I'm convinced. Good. Yeah, I think my reality with with like the the nuances and inconveniences and some of the troubles I go through, mm-hmm. I think my reality for some people would be uh, would be like a small part of hell. But yet to me I I, I like it. Yeah, I right. I like where I am and that's because I I decide to adjust to those to that negativity. I adjust mm-hmm. and I move forward. And I don't dwell on the past because it's already behind me. And I, I just have to focus on the present and, you know, and what's to come. And that that's all there is to it, I think, you know. Going uphill, not necessarily in a bad way, but to to bigger and better things. Still still going uphill, period. Exactly, yeah. Uh, I had a client come in, I think it was last week. And I was like, hey, how, how are you doing? No, whatever. And and I, I said, you ready to get to work, right? And she's like, she's like, don't give me your lip. She's like, I had a bad day and I had this and that. And I'm like, so the first thing I'm like, okay. I need to, of course, cool it down too. I need to cool down my optimism, but get her to still have, you know, I still want to have a good workout. That's still my job. So I was like, okay, then you're here to burn it off, right? You're here to get to work so you can just get out all the anger right. from me had a day. And she, then she kind of just de-escalated and she's like, okay. And then we got to work and everything was great. But I just remember that when I saw her initial reaction, I'm like, okay, she's, she, maybe she did have a rough day today. Today's was not one of her optimistic days because usually she comes in. And uh, she's good to go. Like, you know, she's nice. She, we say, you know, we say hi and whatnot. But uh, this particular, she's like, she's like, don't mess with me. Like, she's like, I'm like, you know, of course, I'm just going to, so I'm like, yeah, she don't know. I do jujitsu. I'm like, calm down. <laughs> I, I'll, I'll at least defend myself. I'm not going to, you know, whatever. Of course, it's all just talk. But, uh, but when she came, I'm like, okay, like, I'm sorry you had a bad day. Let's get to work. Let's get to all that, en- all that negative energy out. Let's get it out here. That's what the bags are for. That's what the bags are for. Uh, I'm going to tie this in a little bit to my cousin. And I'm like, because sometimes he has his little, you know, he has his moments too. He's 15, you know, he's going through a lot of changes. So I'm like, dude, like, how can you not like going to the gym that I'm at? Like, I don't understand. Like, that's the place to go because we mix in like the workout, but you get to punch bags. Like you get to release everything there. Yep. And he's like, he's like, it just doesn't do it for me. So of course now we roll here at home. So that, that does it. Cause he, you know, he wants to kick my ass and I, I eventually get him when I, I work my, wh- I work what I've learned. Then I teach him, you know, of course what I'm learning too, but going back to just being positive and finding those little loops that you can get somebody just to have a better day. I know uh, working at the gym, I think has helped me develop that. Then going to the kids has also helped that uh, just develop that. It's good. It's important to be positive and it's important to be kind, you know, and be considerate. Cause like um, one of the things that I've really enjoyed about substituting at the school that I've been substituting at the most, the uh, principal, Every morning, who does the announcements? The last thing she says: "Remember our, remember our three rules: be kind, be kind, and be kind." Says it the exact same way every morning. I mm. fucking love it. I can't mm. get enough of it. Good. Um. Anyways, um, you know when I used to live in Nashville, everyone in the South is like fucking awesome, like <laughs> super nice people. Like even if they hate you, they don't give a shit. They're gonna be nice to you, <laughs> like, <laughs> you know. Right, right. That's where the whole statement comes. Oh, bless your heart. You know, <laughs> we all know what that means. But um, <laughs> um, but for the most part, like everyone, at least in Nashville and in general the South, from my experience up there, living up there five and a half years and and continuing to visit now, everyone is super fucking nice, man. And so to be nice yourself for me wasn't hard. Because everyone was so nice, you know? 
But I noticed that every time I'd come back down and visit the valley for a little bit, that my not that my attitude would change, but something felt wrong. You know what I mean? Like something inside me would feel wrong with the way I took caution in interacting with people here. It wasn't the same as when I'd interact with people in Nashville. Very open and very free and very kind and generous and considerate. And um, that always irked me because I could feel that, um, that, I guess, like, uh, that lack of balance, you know, between places. Right. You felt the disturbance in the forest. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) I felt that disturbance in my forest, man. And so, but yeah, but the fact that I could see that um, and, you know, it bothered me and... Well, I was saying that me and my brother watched the movie The Road last night because I'd read the novel. Mm. So we watched the movie that's uh, currently on Netflix. And um, somehow we're, we're discussing the movie and we're discussing the themes and the and the morals and the stuff that we learned from watching the movie and the stuff we enjoyed and whatnot. And um, somehow or another, that in that conversation, we led um, it, it led to me saying that, talking, you know, talking about how because everyone was so nice and so nice nice in Nashville it made me nice you know like or it made me be that same way like i felt comfortable being that same way so i in turn just naturally acted that way too towards other people and um or, or at least for the most part i feel like i did right and and i told them but when i'm home when i'm here in the valley like i'd notice that that's different and i told them so what i do every day like since i've every fucking morning dude since i've been back home since i moved back home in in august 2015 is that right 2015 yeah since i've been home since i've been living here every morning i fucking wake up and tell myself like be aware of how i'm talking to other people and and try to be considerate and just try to be nice you know cuz you never know at the end of the day what what someone's going through mm-hmm. right. you know so, uh, but that's something that I have to remind myself to do every day living here in the Valley because people aren't as nice or as open or as considerate mm-hmm. um, as they right. are in the South or in Nashville. Right. Where because of that, it rubs off on you and it's easier to be that way. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I d- one adding to just being positive. Uh, this is just a, more of a, a result of me saying see you tomorrow. So today I had a, Finally, I had one client come in on a Saturday that inc- inconsistently walks in on Saturdays, and she. I'm like, hey, like I was happy. I, mean, I was happy. I'm, I'm like, hey, you're here. Like she's here. I was she's about here. to say it was me. Work. <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, she, she. You know, they were here to work, and that's good. And and usually this person will go twice around, so she'll do 18 rounds. Right. And today we did a uh, just a full, full full nine round, but she stayed 30 minutes, and I gave her 30 minutes of weight workout. So she did all weights for 30 minutes, too. So. Good deal. So back to, like, how you were saying, you know, you took this initiative. At one point, you didn't see results until a year later. Well, it finally got yeah. through somebody to that see you tomorrow on Fridays. Yeah. Finally saw you on and Saturday. And, and, it, and it's not even a gloating thing or glow. Or glo- is it gloating or glowing? Gloating. gloating. To gloat? Okay. Because I, 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 I don't necessarily get confused. I, just, I was just never sure. I was never sure. Anyways, uh, so it's never that, but it – but. All I think about is that that person wants to get better today. And of course, okay, now a little, a little dichotomy is she's like, man, I shouldn't have drank last night. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's the best fucking time to work out. I don't give a shit what anyone says about doing shit hungover. I fucking love working out hungover. That is the best way to get rid of a hangover. And, I'm, and, and it's funny because she didn't tell me until almost halfway through like the initial <laughs> nine rounds. I'm like, oh, really? I'm like, so you like, so like burpees for like the next like, three to six minutes <laughs> it's yeah. like you know whatever so it and of course i will i mean i don't know i, I don't know that uh any clients listen to the podcast yet but 
but That'll be I do, yeah. But I do push. I do. I do test your limit, and I and I only go to a certain point. I I'm able to start reading a lot better now. And in her case, I was able to go so far. And I'm like, okay, tomorrow's just a little more and a little more. And it goes back to what I've told you guys on a previous podcast, where you know, one thing at a time, just one thing. If you can do one thing for, if it takes well, now, I mean, obviously now it's a year. You know, it took a year for some things yeah. to happen, and for this particular person, it wasn't that long because. It was only until I started working, which it's only been about three months that I've been working at this gym. So it hasn't been that long, but for the three months of doing that, you know, two and a half months, let's say, you know, I had to learn the, the place and whatnot. But from a trainer standpoint, not a client standpoint. But once I got that figured out and I, I was able to find what I can use to optimize these clients, you know, uh, their their outcomes, you know, uh, long term and hopefully they continue signing up and you know staying wanting to stay long you know staying for the 12-year commitment or 12-year 12-month commitment sorry uh for 12 years screw it you know why not why Why not not do 12 years you know and get better you know just get better Uh, i was gonna say man like uh you were talking about you didn't really see results right away i don't think you give yourself enough credit because at least like i know with with like in our band like you lead by example very well like always on time always prepared Always knows the music, like just it, every little thing, like every little detail around it, you do very well, and it clearly has rubbed off on on other members of the band. I think okay. from what I've seen, I mean, shit, I'm like the, supposed to be the quote leader of the band, and, and it rubs off on me, you know, <laughs> like it makes me like think about what I'm doing that much harder, mm-hmm. you know. Well, interesting. I, I am appreciative of the comment. I was gonna say interesting enough. Um, one of, I won't call it my favorite quote because. Since then, I've 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 learned of other quotes that I really like, but a very memorable quote that I heard uh, early college was that a function of a leader is not to create followers but to create other leaders. So that's interesting that you mention it because you're like, you should be the leader, yet you're you're you know doing things that that you're influenced by Andy. Well, in that maybe he's creating another leader, and then you'll your leadership skills will trickle down and create more leaders. Trumped up, trickle down. <laughs> Sorry, I had to throw that in there. Every <laughs> we'll, time we'll get to that in a bit. We'll, we'll, we will get to that in a bit. Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, every, what do you say? Every, every time, time I hear the words "trickle down" in that order, I think of Hillary Clinton's "trumped up, trickle <laughs> down." What I was gonna say is, so, okay, thank you, Eddie, for what you just said, because I I do take into heavy consideration, especially that, because that lets me know how I'm doing. Because if it's not working, then I'm doing something wrong. I'm doing something wrong. Now, let, let's, let's move forward and say, okay, you're learning things from me, and you, you're starting to maybe incorporate them for yourself, and then moving forward. Now that you're doing that, I'm able to move on to something else and learn something new that I can then teach you, and then it then there goes, again, trickles down. I will use that because I, like, I kind of like that. But I've mentioned that where, you know, if I'm doing what I want to do, but, like I said, goes back to humility, the wellness of human beings which I am, I try very hard every day to do that. But now that these in part- these particular characteristics that you're picking up, then trickle down to other people. Now, now, now you have your brother, and you have you know your your circle in general. Like this includes family and friends, right? So now you have your circle that you will hopefully uh, give this off to them, right? So while that's happening, then I you know then I keep I keep moving forward in information that I want to use. Does that make sense? 
So to me, it ties back to all like stuff I've been talking about, you know, in and out of these podcasts. Because that, I mean, I am aiming for that, but for the better of everybody, I want everybody to be healthy. I want everybody to be optimistic. I want everybody's reality to be legit every single day. Even with the bad, you go home at night, if you can at least go to sleep at night with peace, you're good. And speaking of sleeping, it's kind of going on a, on a side note, but when I go to jiu-jitsu and I talk, you know, I'm able to, I've now developed this relationship with some of the veterans and super badass guys that they served, you know, in the war that's still going on right now. And uh, if you know, a few of them have their stories and when they talk about, you know, the legit, you know, we're talking PTSD and whatnot. It's, it's, it's new. It's new for me because you only read about it, you only hear about it. But when you hear it from a first-person account, it definitely uh, changes things. Just never know what like someone's been through or is going through, and like again, just ties back to what I was saying about that's why I try to be considerate to other people. Like like someone cuts me off on the road, like eh, maybe j- maybe they just have somewhere to be. They need to be there now. Yeah, you know, it's a good example. It's important. Uh, one actually speaking of, they maybe they need to be there now. I remember this particular incident. I believe it was my cousin who just had uh, a baby. So my I had a baby cousin. This was like several years ago. This is over ten years ago. But I remember seeing this guy pace in the parking lot, and it's very vivid right now because, like I said, you, maybe they need to be there now. And it wasn't until my mom said, "Who knows what he's going through." Having to, he's pace. I mean, we're talking across the damn parking lot, and he was there for hours because we were out there. We were outside because I was young at this time, so I wasn't able to be in the room or whatever at this moment. So after visiting hours, you know, it was like I think it was me, and my mom, my uncle, and my cousin that were outside, but we could see this guy pacing across the parking lot. And now, like I said, now he's like, who knows? And that, I mean, like I said, that was 10, 15 years ago that I still remember very distinctly. It was a, it was already evening, dark, getting dark, and th- you know, this guy's pacing in the, in the ho- hospital parking lot. And again, goes back to, you know, we were talking about earlier about what we accidentally teach our kids, whether it's good or it's bad. But just like your mom in that situation literally said two words to you, or, or a few words, not right, two, right. but a few words to you, like, oh, who knows what he's going through. Mm-hmm. And that stuck with you. Yeah. Uh, leading to the next thing that I just discovered through my cousin, which is pretty cool, because he's very into, uh, of course, he's now getting into training and fitness you know for the better of him nobody else but himself right not impressing anybody i don't give a damn i tell him i tell him too i'm like i don't give a shit who's looking at you not i need you to be 100 percent now right so over time it it seems like it's it's getting there now right Mm -hmm. uh so this guy named brian shaw he has his own like youtube channel stuff but he's a he's a bodybuilder he's like mr uh like world's strongest man for like 2015, I think. I think he won like 2013 and 2015, I believe he won. And one of the things he says, and this is part of like the little documentary, but he says, where does human potential end? And that made me think of like all this stuff because like I guess, you know, having that optimism now ingrained in me, I'm like, where does it end? And I, I'm I'm gonna I'm testing it now. I mean, I'm testing it. That's one more thing that I'm testing and I'm watching every single day with people I interact and I'm wanting to develop stronger relationships with. Hmm. That definitely, <laughs> I don't know why, and I don't know that this is so much uh, relatable, but uh, as soon as you said that, I thought about Elon Musk. Because mm. one, one of his things right now is a multi-planetary civilization. Mm. So, you know, expanding to Mars and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So to think that 
maybe this wasn't such a hot topic a few years back, but now that, you know, he, he comes up with, or not that he came up with it, but he comes and just projects this, this, um, concept of, of a multi-planetary civilization. Like it's just a thought now, but if it, if it becomes a constant thought, who knows, you know, when we'll get there, if, and when, but, um, yeah, when you say human potential, because at some point in like the first podcast, we kind of went off on a little tangent about, um, you know, the universe and, and this and that and space and how insignificant we feel sometimes being in this world. Well, you know, maybe there will be a time when we're on, on a different world, but yeah, just my little spiel on human potential. That's exactly, right. that's, that's what triggered in my mind when you said that. Mm-hmm. Speaking of that, I um <laughs> ready to go on a tangent. We saw but this coming. <laughs> no, um it's really not that bad of a tangent, but I just uh I like to I like to not play with the kids' minds, you know, a little bit, but just to kind of just <laughs> you know, just give them a good give them a good gas, give them a good laugh here and there, you know, whatever, just mess with them a little bit. Uh, you know, before they move on with their day and go to lunch or PE or whatever. So <laughs> right. subbing for this science class and, and part of their assignment was, um, you know, on the solar system and galaxy and all that. And, <laughs> okay. And uh, then they had a writing prompt to do um, to cover their, I guess, like reading, um, reading and writing portion of the day. Um, and so the teacher decided to fuse it with science for the assignment. And the prompt was, you are an alien from another planet visiting this solar system for the first time. You see the Earth, the Sun, and the Moon. What do you notice about each of them? And where do you ultimately decide to land? And so that was their writing prompt. And then so before they left the class, you know, I had them like line up and get in a single file line. And we're doing like the hand sanitizer, getting ready to go to lunch or whatever. And I'm just like, hey, you guys think aliens are real? <laughs> And then some students like, yeah, and then the other students like, no, and whatever. I was like, what? It's like, why do you think aliens are not real? And then um, and then they're like, because they, they don't exist. It's like, how do you know? <laughs> and then I was like, how many galaxies do you think there are? And then they're like, well, I don't know. It's like, we're our galaxy, the Milky Way. And then it's like, yeah, and then there's this one and then that one. And I was like, how many galaxies do you think there are? And like, I don't know, 100, 1,000, million, whatever. And I was like, no, there are infinite galaxies, <laughs> damn it. <laughs> there are infinite freaking galaxies, children. Poor kids, man. Yeah. And Crin- they- interesting enough for the teacher to leave that prompt. Yeah. <laughs> that they for use me. substitutes. Yeah. <laughs> and, then, uh, and then one of the students asked, what's infinite? And I go, it means that there's always new ones. There's always more. It never stops. There's never enough. It just keeps going. Well, not that there's never enough, but it just keeps going. Yeah, yeah, it just keeps, yeah. It just keeps going. And um, it just keeps going and going and going. And there's always more being created as we're talking right now. And then, um, yeah. uh, which we call it, and they're like, oh. <laughs> and then I was, like, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, so think about what a galaxy has inside of it. Like, stars, okay. What are stars? Like the sun, right? It's like, so yeah. And then so like they have solar systems. Yeah, what do solar systems have? planets yep still think there's no aliens (laughs) have a good lunch (laughs) (laughs) too good that that is that whole thing is interesting sorry with a prompt having to be you substituting out of everybody that's in the substituting system and (laughs) yeah and then putting putting the insignificant earth into perspective 
Man, and then the, off to lunch. The whole reason of us being like, or not reason, but the just the whole like fact that, or not not even fact anyway, but I guess the whole emotion of like the insignificance, mm. you know, like the the lonely planet with life on it, only ones here. Um, that in its in of itself should be reason enough to just try to make the most out of what you're doing and to be an optimistic fucking person. Speaking of um of all this shit, uh is like super anxious to get on the podcast. Like he's like so ready to be a guest. <laughs> nice. Uh yeah, he's pumped. Okay. Okay, I I need to write that in the calendar and see see when I'm gonna have where we're gonna have him on. He'll probably be the second when, next week for those listening, we will have our drummer on here, which would be really cool. Um I'm not gonna say his name yet. He will introduce himself. We will go through some introductory stuff and then we will proceed to converse about moving with life. But yeah, and as a my brother tends to be um not antisocial, but he's like he's like Brian. You know, he's kinda more like laid back, like quiet, prefers his his um um solitude, I guess. You know, yeah. ve- you all are very similar actually. Yeah, when you when you said the sun, earth and moon, where would you land? I I right away immediately thought I'd land on the moon because it looks <laughs> looks alone looks, looks lonely <laughs> looks desolate isolated. Oh man. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, you guys are very similar. So as I tell him, I was like, okay, but y- you know when you come on, you're gonna have to talk, right? Like we're gonna ask you. Shit. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna like, talk like some stuff. He's and he's going to college now. So um, one thing I've found myself doing with students, even the you know even sixth graders, but I do try to talk to them a certain way that they are talked to like adults. So I'm like, cause one thing that I bring up is, uh, I'm like, hey, you guys think you're so old, right? You guys think you're big and grown up. I'm like, well, I'm, I'm gonna talk to you like an adult, and I I want a response like an adult, and so that, that kind of helps like just set the tone for the class, you know, for the day or whatever. Cause uh, sometimes of course they can get a little rowdy, but but yeah, I definitely yeah when we get your brother on, I'm definitely gonna, I definitely already have that in mind for him because I'm like he's already going to college, like you know he and he's a smart kid too. He's a very bright kid, so I'm looking forward to having that conversation with him. It's gonna be awesome. Mm-hmm. He's very bright and he's uh, he's book smart, but he's also just instinctually smart. Yeah. Like he he's been amazing me lately mm-hmm. with all of that. One example. Well, last night when we were watching uh, the road, in okay. um, again just to recap this post-apocalyptic world where survivors have mostly turned to cannibalism, and there's a even just like a lot of people who survived the apocalypse, I guess, and and they're just. You know, like committing suicide is the trend because there's no point for those people in in living in that world. Yeah, you know, there's no point in the suffering, Mm -hmm. so people just end it. But in this case, um, the main character is the boy and his father. Um, The father is a very optimistic person, is someone who still has the hope with him. You know, Mm -hmm. and so you know that's kind of what keeps him going along. And so when they're scavenging for food and searching abandoned houses for food. And, uh, you know, for shelter and for new, or not new, but, you know, for clothes that aren't, you know, dirty or, or, you know, or wet or whatever, you know, just basic stuff they need to survive on the road. You know, that's what they're looking for in these houses. And so whenever they approach a house, because they do it several times, obviously in the book, when they'd approach a house, they'd usually camp out by it for a couple of days and just kind of scope it out. Just to make sure that there's no one living in that house yeah. that might hurt them. A little recon. Yeah, just a little recon, recon, right? You know, being smart about it. Even though they might be desperate, still trying to be smart about it, right? Being well, rational. Being rational. But at, at one point, they're starving. They're on the brink of death. They haven't eaten in, like, in a couple of weeks, and they've barely ever found water, and they've like you know, lost a ton of weight, and they're just barely making it. 
barely surviving. And so they come across this house that has, you know, clean windows. Like the windows have been, you know, swept off the dust. And uh, one of the windows is open and there's like a bell attached to a rope, kind of like a trip alarm, kind of, you know. And I love the way that, I mean, this, this dude's my favorite author, Cormac McCarthy. I love the way he writes. He's by far my favorite author right now. And um, I love the way he puts it in this in this little depiction. He goes, he sees it and he doesn't see it all at the same time. It's like, damn. Dang. Yeah. yeah, for sure, for sure. So it's like he sees it, but he's trying not to see it because they're so fucking desperate. You know, he's so like he's noticing that, um, you know, th- that the house is clearly occupied, but he's not necessarily, um, you know, taking that in to consideration. So anyway, in the in the movie itself, they're they're at this point, and um, they, they go through the house, and they uh, they notice in the backyard that there was like a fire that that looked pretty fresh, like there was still like a lot of like you know charry black residue from the from the firewood and all that that was sitting on the ground. So it looked very fresh, didn't look old, right? And my brother right away like picked up on this, and he is just like. Nah, there, there's there's people in that house. Like, there's something's going on, and so I was just kind of like, man, like that was like very instinctually smart of him to pick up on. I don't know, just one little thing yeah, that yeah, just yeah, kind of yeah, blew my sure, mind, sure. you know? Yeah, I just I just wanted an example of uh, how he's instinctually smart. Yeah. Uh, that definitely came up in my head today as I was uh, in the gym for whatever reason. Just like uh, you know, the books being the book smart versus the context street smart. Yeah, it's being being street smart, and, and I'm not talking about self defense. I'm not talking about the physicality. I'm talking about being on the you know being in living you know. Being, being, you know, living, working, uh, accomplishing goals, and you know, being able to do that, being able to get out of your book, get out of your head, and go do physic, then go do physically, you know, go go out and create a business, go out and uh, help other people, go out and uh, develop the next big thing. Yeah, very cool. Man, all of this tying back to human potential. Mm-hmm. Like, where where has the human civilization come from, and where we are now? And our hopes for the future. Well, and that's one thing the road, uh, the book, really got me thinking about a lot. Especially like when you think about it in the post-apocalyptic setting. There, there's this common theme that, that comes up a lot in the book. Um, the way that the father handles them encountering new people, they always hide. First and foremost, they hide. They're, he wants no contact with anyone but his son. Right. So when they see people coming up on the road, they he immediately like drags his son, you know, by his hind end and they get in the ditch and they hide. And they and then the father points the only pistol with the only two bullets left that he has. And he points that pistol down at the people coming, you know, in the hiding from hiding. You know, he's ready to for self-defense. Yeah. Yeah. Because, again, in this setting, most people have turned to cannibalism. And so he's they're trying to stay alive. Yeah. You know, they're going to survive. And especially um, his his son being co- like coming of age younger, which is very rare in this world that, that you know to have someone that age survive, right? Because they'd either get overtaken, get eaten, get killed, whatever, you know. Yeah, they would. Yeah, it, at some point they they would just be too slow. They're too, yeah. they're too small. They're too young. They're, you know, they're not also physically capable to just keep going. Right, and so that's the, that's a big thing that comes up a lot in the book is you know they hide and and the father assumes the worst of people. Where in the because he has to to yeah. defend his life and his son's life, but the dichotomy of the situation is the uh, the son tends to see the best in people 
or tends to assume that people are kind. And, and of course, part of it is that innocence. Yeah. But then again, I, I kind of think about like in this world like that he has grown up in, yeah. you know, how innocent could he really be Right. when it comes to that? Mm. But um, anyway, like they come across, you know, several people who are struggling and, you know, the father says like, no, we're not going to help him out. We can't afford it. Like if we give him any food, we're going to starve that much quicker. And the boy's like, oh, come on, Papa. Like He looks hungry. Like Let's yeah. help him out, you know. So the boy's just always wanting to help people out. It's a very deep book, man. It had me thinking about so many things, and I'd, I'd probably have to put it off for a little bit. I, I just because of like, of I feel like the stuff that I'm going through on a daily basis, the books that I've read last that I read last year, are now like taking a toll. Toward if I read that particular book, it would probably take me a while because of that deep stuff. Like even that, even what you told us right now, like I would still read it. Like it doesn't matter because. Uh, when Jocko does like his de- his his little reviews on Jocko podcast, half the book I still have here and I've read them because it's like there's a lot of details that he you know he leaves out of course probably on purpose but there's a lot of details that he can't say everything in three you know two three hours you know you can't say it so that's very interesting and I yeah uh, I know how I based on that yeah I can I can definitely agree on how you feel about that yeah another example of uh, where my I've been noticing my brother's instincts and um. Uh, you know, in the this is about to get kind of graphic, but like in the book, um, w- with the cannibalism and all that, uh, in the book, the author presents a lot of um, images of when they run into people. Um, they usually run into groups of people mm. where there's, you know, maybe a little more um, amounts of men than women, but all of the women are always pregnant, and that's just like a reoccurring thing that's going on in the book until you finally get to a point later on in the book in the third act where um, they come across some more pregnant women and then they come across a campsite where um, where it was clear that a woman had given birth and then they found like like you know the the baby's remains like like they were like people were eating babies like they were getting women pregnant for food for food yeah Damn. It's nuts. And, and, and again, like the whole time throughout the book when he's bringing up the pregnant woman, like in my mind, I'm like, oh, like, so there's like people that are just trying to, they're trying to repopulate. I was going to say They're trying to rebuild. Right, right. You know, that's what we do. You know, when we lose everything, we just try to rebuild it. And when I was explaining this, like to my brother, he stopped me in the middle before I could get to, before I could get to that, before I could explain to him that they were eating babies. He like already knew he was just like, well, yeah, that's an easy source of food. <laughs> it's like, damn it, damn. that's dark. And for you, yeah, to think right. right. <laughs> I was gonna say, like, man, like, what we're talking. I mean, what you're bringing up, or it's already, it's pretty dark. You know, it's, it's, it's a, uh, it's a reality that we hopefully will never get to. But if you're able to to personalize it for the moment that you're in the book, uh, I think that helps live better here now. I know when I read these war books, uh, you know, I've read several from Vietnam, a few from World War II, and then also the Iraq War, and if I can personalize, you know, half of it, each book, half of each book, that helps me just put things into perspective that I'm not in a war country. There's stuff going on, but I'm not involved. I can do good and help others. So I definitely feel that, and you know, that's pretty dark. I mean, it's it's an interesting, and it, as it is, it's it's post-apocalyptic. So that's our that's already a thing in itself of the situation that they're in. You know, that's, that's hope. you know, like I said, I hope, I hope that never happens. You know, that, that it just would change everything, obviously. Yeah. And, um, well, a- as we were beginning to watch the movie and it, 
shows, um, you know, like, uh, like people like committing suicide and, and whatnot because they can't handle the situation of the earth and post-apocalyptic setting. Well, my, like my brother was saying, like, he goes, yeah, that's, that's pretty much what I would do. I don't think I'd want to suffer through all that shit like and go through all that and i was like yeah that's fair but like like for me like i think differently like i for me i don't think i could ever take my own life like i I don't think there could ever i may be naive in saying this but even if we came to the the post-apocalyptic sense where it would make sense to commit suicide to end the uh the suffering Suffering. you know or the potential suffering um I, i don't think i'd be able to pull a trigger on myself and end my own life but the majority for that the reason being majority of the reason being is that i think if you're still alive it's because you still have work to do and you still have purpose and um and your mission is not complete yet like there's still something you need to do if you're still living there's a reason you are the next 10 minutes or so me Eddie and Brian dive into some deeper topics that revolve around social media human interaction, human reaction, and a lack of human reaction. It took me a little while to decide on whether or not to keep this section, and in the end, I decided to keep it because while I want to spread optimism and I want everyone to have a fulfilled life, I also would like everyone to understand that I understand that sometimes life isn't fair. Sometimes realities are not what we want them to be but if you can help yourself make better decisions one day at a time you will have a better reality uh what i'm going to tell off into is something that you told me i think it was yesterday you sent me the you sent me an email about uh why do i feel the urge to watch this guy get eaten alive <laughs> why do others why do we as humans have that urge, the curiosity to watch someone perish in a violent way? Uh, everyone was recording the videos and there seemed to be uh, less urgency for the respect of that man's life. Go ahead. If you want to start that, we can expand. Yeah. So for anyone listening that hasn't uh, seen this bouncing around your social media, but some guy in China like uh, hopped the fence and ended up li- uh, landing into the tiger entrapment or whatever, like into the tiger territory part of the zoo. He was like trying to get in for free. So that's like he was trying to sneak in. But so he ends up landing into the uh, into the freaking tiger part of the zoo and he gets mauled alive by a fucking tiger. Yeah. And it's like, it's super graphic because he's like, the tiger has him, of course, like as a tiger should, knows exactly where to go, goes right towards his jugular. Like he has him right on the fucking neck, like his neck's just sitting in this tiger's mouth. And, um, but you can tell that the tiger's got a soft um, bite on it. Kind of like the way maybe like a dog carries their, um, their young, Okay. you know, like a, okay. like a soft right, chew, soft okay. bite. So as not to hurt completely. Mm. So you can tell the tiger kind of has that going, like almost like. As if he were just like holding him down for a little bit, hmm. like that's okay. what it looked like the tiger was doing, and that's the I gathered that because the guy was still um, trying to fight for his life, you know. Because then a couple of other tigers approach and he's trying to kick them off and whatever. Which in my mind, I'm like, dude, that's not what I would do. <laughs> but, Shit, I don't know um, why. I don't know what I would do. Well, I, I mean, wouldn't you know, jump in a damn. T- <laughs> I mean, okay, keep going, keep yeah. going. Well, I mean, like, have you ever, far. like, seen those videos of, like, you know, those animal lovers, the animal trainers that, like, have relationships with their animals and their yeah. tigers and lions so deep that they can, like, just 
take cuddle. naps together cuddle. and shit. Right, yeah. with, you know? Yeah. So, like, if I was in that situation, I'm just... Hi, kitty. <laughs> We're best friends, right? We're cool, right? I don't, I don't think I'd try to fight back a tiger or anything like that because, I mean, what's the point yeah, you're going to get? I, you I have no know. chance, dude. Yeah. No fucking chance. But um, anyway, this dude's fighting back. And then um, I think the zoo staff starts firing off, like, what I would assume are, like, rubber bullets or just some kind of ammunition to scare away or harm the tiger so they wouldn't do harm to this guy. But at that point, the tiger takes a very hard bite into his neck, and the dude just goes limp. Instantly. Like, the tiger is just tossing him around like a rag doll. Like, it's it's very graphic to watch. So if you have a weak stomach, don't do it. Um, yeah. I personally don't necessarily, so I, I'm just kind of whatever. But um, it got me thinking after I finished watching the video, like, shit, why do I, like, why do I enjoy watching that? Yeah. There is nothing um, about that that I should feel like oh i want to watch it you know like that is somebody's life man and that's yep. just i almost feel like rude for watching that fair you know and in the video there are a lot of um onlookers that are just recording from their phones and i understand that it's not like they can do anything right. but you know again like that's someone's life and yeah. you're just you know kind of disrespecting it yeah uh is there, there's that desensitized and uh detachment you know uh when it's not your relative it's okay. I mean, it's not it's not that it's okay, but you're you're not attached. You know, you're not attached to the situation. Now, I don't agree with that in this situation because, like, it's that. But when you don't personalize it like that, when you don't, when you when you're able to watch, you know, the video, watch it through. Now, whether you have a weak stomach or not, um, it still goes back to, uh, the fact that it's a human life. Now you realize that after, but you you know you watched it. You know, uh. How, how how can I say what I'm trying to, what I'm thinking, as far as um. It's the it's it's the it's a form of entertainment. Think about uh Rome back in the day. You know when they had the, the gladiators and stuff. Yeah. Uh, you know the the uh, those those games. You know they were killing each other. You know that that there's there's a there's an element that humans like, and while that's not a complete factor of war there's definitely an element of that in the human brain i think and i should probably do my research so i can have that like, just concrete information but i know i've heard of course the jocko podcast and different things because you know it talks about war and whatnot but there's that element of death that gives a person excitement because they don't know what it's like until they and then even then they, they die and you don't know they, yeah, that's it that's the end you know uh, i i that's i guess more or less what i think you know, it's a it's a detachment. It's a thing that has everybody's curiosity because you don't know you don't know what happens until until it happens, and then you're gone. And then you you're, you know, there's no way to communicate back. You know, in that sense. Yeah, and it, even like with the Indianapolis 500 racing, like when I would go, and it was always like, yeah, let's. I hope he crashes on our turn. Like I hope it happens right in front of us. Why? Because <laughs> yeah, it's it's entertaining, yeah. but um. Yeah, at what cost though? Like, right? You know, no, you absolutely. Really want to see people at, at get hurt? Human life, die? right? Uh, one the the example I get for NASCAR is Dale Earnhardt when yeah. he crashed. I think it was like turn two of the Daytona 500, and you know whatever happened, and you know he he didn't make it out. You know he he, according to I think the medics or whatever that they, they had died on impact. You know he didn't he didn't make it through even to the ambulance. But uh, yeah, I won't. At what at how can a human's life be? Uh, used not used how can a human's life be uh 
Uh, but for now, I'll say used for that. You know, for that. Uh, that type of uh, it's not dopamine, but you know that 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 like so I guess that that gratification, that 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 yeah, gratification, satisfaction. That, yeah, satisfaction. That's the great. That's the better word. Yeah, that satisfaction to where you can watch someone just you know die. I don't know, but it's a really weird part of our culture. Yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. It's, it's a it's like, a human it's our, a human our, thing. Our human culture. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I know I know I steer I steer clear of, of videos like that. Not not because I'd have a weak stomach. I don't, but I I think subconsciously I do feel like it's disrespectful. And yeah, like videos like that, like if they come up, like let's say on YouTube or or any other platform that I'm on, and and something of that subject comes up, like in the title or whatever, I I I don't watch it because I already know the outcome, and I I don't need to watch it, and it's 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 unnecessary and it's disrespectful. So right. that's my take on it. Um, I know recently there was another another video about like a shooting in in Mexico in yeah. a school in Mexico or something like that, and as soon as I saw the the subject of the video or, or or what whoever shared it commented on or whatever I was like yeah I'm not gonna watch that like it's it's just unnecessary and yeah. I I really don't need that in in my conscious or in, in my brain you know and I it, it goes back to to looking at the positive mm. like I don't I don't need that to like way on me right uh i know for me that i i watched that video and it wasn't it was more i was curious uh i was like okay what what happened what was the scenario you know that that this kid for one got a gun in and you know took i he killed two three people and himself i think uh and i happened to see this video before practice like before because i was scrolling through my social media and i was going and i saw this video that uh one of my friends quote-unquote friends on facebook posted shared it and i was like okay i had heard about the shooting during the day and then this video's now made you know the internet so i watch it and i see it unfold and that's when uh i sent you guys about jocko podcast that introduction where it talks about uh the doctor dr rosenberg having to how to approach a mother to say uh how to approach a mother on how to tell their tell them that their son has just died so i had just heard that and i watched this video and like all, all i can think about it is that because they didn't even have to get to the doctors yeah and it and it definitely uh made an impact and it affected me for practice i mean i was there but uh i definitely that day i just happened to i try not to uh get too did i try not to get too attached to things that are going to affect my playing uh and it because ha- it happens in practice and, it, and for sure gig days I do not do that. But uh, I was curious and it happened after that. It was it was hard to it was hard to get mad at anything that was going on that day because like three people just died and this kid for whatever reason just took his own life as well. It's like how do you uh, how can you think anything else is important than life itself? That was a that was a heavy I think not the entire day but that that time period was very heavy because i think i had heard about i didn't watch the video but i had heard about the video and then i i listened in on jocko's podcast for that segment um and it was a very very heavy little time frame there i was i was at work and i was just like damn it right yeah exactly and and it happened to be a wednesday so wednesday's rehearsal day and that's when me and eddie and the guys get together to work up whatever we're the the goal is for the month really we know we try to focus month to month i think and it's worked it's worked out for us 
Uh, but this particular day, it, it, you know, it's not that it didn't matter, but I was very just numb because, you know, these are humans that are doing this and it happens, you know, maybe not every day, but it happens more often than it should. I hate that there's no independent movie theaters down here that show independent films. Hmm. We have one in Nashville called the Bell Court, which is a badass theater. You told me about it's that. It's fucking one. awesome. I love the Bell Court. But um, I wish we had an independent movie theater down here. Because I, I don't know if you guys watch independent movies, but they're by far my favorite movies because mm. they, they always have the most substance to them. They're not superficial. Yeah. Not that superhero movies are, you know, bad or anything, but, I mean, come on, they're kind of superficial. Oh, Go ahead. Well, just real quick, speaking of, of, like, you know, these mainstream and superficial movies, I really liked um, Captain America Civil War. And one thing, like, from the entire movie, that, that one thing that stood out was when Spider-Man's fighting Captain America, and he's like, oh, Captain America's like, what else did Tony Stark tell you about me? And he's like, he says that, that you're wrong, and you think you're right, and that makes you dangerous. Like, that was, oh, man, that's like, a, that's an interesting... Uh, how many people are out there who believe that what they say and what they preach is the absolute righteous and, and most truthful way. And they, they, they go and live life doing and preaching with that mentality, not knowing that, that they could be wrong and, and, you know, and influencing all these people in, in that way. And and before this goes to that extent, I'm definitely not talking about the new president. Um, Ooh. Definitely would be. Huh? I was hoping you would be. <laughs> well, I'm I'm not because I, because there could be so many of those people in our everyday lives, you know, leading other organizations and and motivating other people and right. And I I think it's it's important to be aware and it's important to look around and and notice these types of things. Yes. Yeah. So, for all you listening, just think about what you're doing and if it's the right or wrong thing to do. Right. And even one thing that I've heard on another movie, I forgot, it was like a cop movie, but it's like sometimes doing the right thing is not doing the right thing. And it's like, okay. It, and for me, it goes back to like, I, that's why I don't preach what I'm learning. I'm trying to teach these methods because they're tools that I use. They're not the ultimate, but they're tools that have worked for other people and that I'm now using. And I'm trying to uh, show, but then also discuss and uh, go into detail as far as like, the whys and whatnot, you know? So, uh, there's always possible, there's possibilities that, like you're saying, Brian, uh, as far as, uh, you know, keeping an eye out, keeping an ear out, you know, listen, not just talk the whole time, you know, look for options. How can you do this a different way? Maybe not a better way, just different. Maybe there's a thousand good ways to do it. Now just, just go through all of them. Like see which one you like better, you know, which one, which one suits you better, which one suits your character better to accomplish the same goal as somebody else or the guy next to you, the person next to you. Yeah, definitely something to think about, I think. Because sometimes, you know, the... Let's say say you are being led by somebody who's doing wrong but uh, thinks they're doing right. Sometimes being led by that person isn't always tried and true for you. So I think it's it's just... um, like everybody, I I truly believe everybody's different, and mm. you can't really apply the same things to everybody. Yeah. So, 
And I, I think this is kind of lightly touched on Tools of Titans, mm. that he says these are basically all of the tips and tricks that, you know, the success, the most successful people in the world use. So this is like a buffet, you know, right. pick and choose what, what's good for you. So definitely I, I would think, you know, we, we need to analyze our surroundings and our leaders and ourselves, make sure that what we're saying and what we're doing doesn't just sound right but that it it's the right thing and and you know it's the 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 human the kind thing to do right ultimately the you know the society the best thing for yourself and society not just yourself um one thing i was going to say in addition to that bringing up tim ferris is uh because i have the four four hour body at the moment and i it's the same thing. It's a buffet style book. It tells you you have to read, you know, read this first and then go on about your, you know, go on, go on about the buffet. And like today when I was helping the client work today for her weight session, you know, after, after the initial workout and, uh, I changed the things cause the, what a lot of people do is they try to work out until they burn out, right? They do that. They just burn out and then they're too sore the next day to come back. They're like, Oh, I'm too sore. I'll just go tomorrow. Well, more than likely, the second day you're off, you're gonna be even more sore. If you don't, if you don't, if you don't stre- at least stretch. That's one thing I always tell people. Like that do come on Saturdays, even Fridays. I'm like, okay, Sunday, stretch. Spend 30 minutes stretching, at least 30 minutes. Like only do that. Don't worry about working out. Don't worry about you know, just stretch. Find like two or three yoga poses. Uh, do you, everything. And there, some people are like, well, I don't know what stretch to do. I'm like, okay, think of your think of yourself being in elementary school, and PE. Do those stretches, all of them. And hold them for 20, 30 seconds. I'm like, do all of them. Even first-timers, when we have first-timers going, and I don't know how to stretch. I'm like, what did you do in elementary? What did you do in middle school? I'm like, do that. You know, do that. And they, eventually they get into it, they, and they're ready to go. And it's, it's all good. Uh, so I incorporated one of like the what I'm doing now is slowing down my weightlifting session in the sense of uh, my lifting time, the time I have the weights in my hand is less than my rest amount time and what that helps with is uh for one soreness and inflammation in your muscles uh which is created by uh the lact lactate that's that's created in your muscles uh which is that that comes out of your joints and then goes down to your muscle that's how that's why you feel sore so i gave her this thing like like you shouldn't feel sore in this case but your muscles should feel good like tomorrow you should feel this like new like all it's to me for me it's almost like a tingly feeling in your muscles like it's a, yes. it's an actual physical thing that you feel it's not just like oh i'm sore and i that's that's why i had a good workout because i'm sore right. this workout was like no it's uh the way tim ferris brings it up is you should be exhilarated not exhausted after a workout so i gave her the same thing so i'm I'm curious how she's gonna be like tomorrow and monday we, we will talk monday when she goes in uh so that's that but i know for me i did it uh on thursday which is before our show at hillbillies and i felt amazing i was like man like that was interesting that was the first time i ever actually did it. i wrote it down and i've had it written down but i've actually had some time wednesday and thursday to do this particular this workout or i got to do a workout in this particular way so i know i felt exhilarated i didn't feel exhausted so then friday i was good to go again you know i had you know whatever i had to do for the day she's like well i thought i'm supposed to be sore i'm like well there's certain things that maybe you should be sore but if you're not sore with the basic stuff we're giving you here then we're, there's something going on like that you're not even if you're not feeling even exhilarated either you know you're just kind of it could just be that the muscles that she's using for these basic workouts mm-hmm. or whatever 
They're already used to it. They're the already workout. developed. Right, right. No, so yeah, you gotta work out other muscles right. or or step up. Right, and, and that's why that's why today I changed the whole because like I said, she would go eighteen rounds. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, while I changed the second nine, uh that also helped because I, I would really add more weight. But this time it was a full weight session. Dude. I, I had her wait like six minutes because even that six minutes like gets her heart rate down just enough to where it's gonna go up, but it's not gonna go as high as a cardio heart rate where you're fat burning. You're there's a going I guess getting kind of detailed but when you're in general when you're at about 100 uh BPMs your heart rate's about 100 BPMs uh you're fat burning con- constantly like you're consistently fat burning from like it's like from 95 to like one like 120 which is like walking temp right walking t- walking tempo uh anything above that is your cardio which is like heavy weight you know which mm-hmm. by the by halfway through the rounds you should be able to uh you should be at your peak and then you start coming down naturally because you're for while you're getting fatigue, your heart you're, you're coming down because you're getting you're getting tired. Uh, so for weightlifting, you really want it around like 85. You want it well under fat burning because you you don't want you want all the nutrients still from because fat's still good. You need fat. That's why you zero percent body fat. You're gonna die. You still need at least two percent to like live right because there's still nutrients in there that go into your body, go into your system that allow your muscles to then be healthy. So. Uh, so that's what we did today. You know, we, 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 I tried to target that. I'm like, I need your heart rate again. Uh, so basically it was a workout. You lifted, it was 10 reps and then it was one minute break in between every single set. And that still in turn turns into about 30 minutes after it, I, I gave her like five or six different lifts to sure. do. Um, and with that, and she's like, well, this and that, I'm like, no, this is just a different way that I hope works. And we'll find out Monday. I'll, you know, I'll be able to talk to her Monday and go from there. Good uh, shit. Yeah. Yeah, I, I guess in this little tangent is that that's kind of how deep I've gone into like the whole health thing, and besides the Tim, besides the four hour body, just doing basic research too, like finding out, okay, what's this person doing? Okay, what's this person doing? And is there a middle? You know, is there a middle that maybe I can use a little bit of both? You know, techniques and whatnot. Which I've already talked about techniques, so I'm not gonna go into that. But uh, uh, as far as the as far as like the BPMs and your heart rate and your blood and your the glycogen and everything that, that's in your body, I'm very much getting heavy into that stuff on my personal research too. Then, you know, share with everybody to, you know, everybody just find find their way that find their system that works for them to live a healthier healthier life. That's good. Good deal. I think that's a, that's kind of a I don't necessarily want to call it a lesson, but something for listeners to take into consideration. All the stuff that we talk about, go and research it yourselves and uh, see what you find that that you like, you know? I know we bring up like Andy brings up jujitsu, Eddie with voice, you know, me here and there with like mild business topics. So go in whatever interests you about what we talk about, go and research it. And you might just dive a little deeper than, than we have and uh, find things that interest you. Right. And, uh, and deeper than maybe, maybe, maybe you didn't even give it a chance. You, you're hearing this stuff like, Oh, that, that's pretty interesting. And then you do that little bit of research. Like, Oh, wait a minute. What else can I, what yeah. else is about this? Sub- and this sometimes subject? maybe you've heard all these things before. And, and sometimes when you hear other people say it a specific way, like it puts it in a different light, maybe right. more interesting, maybe less interesting. Sorry. <laughs> right. Right. Well, I mean, I, well, I hope the, well, I hope it's the, you know, the first, not the latter, but, yeah. but something that happens and fine, that's not your thing. Uh, one thing I did a little test on several people and, I did this very subconsciously, but I, I typed out a chapter from John Eldridge and I gave it out to certain people. And I, I took mental note. I didn't write this down, but I took mental note of who read it and who didn't read it. And and the ones who read it made sense, the one who didn't read it 
the ones who didn't read it made sense as well. So I'm like, okay, so obviously it works for the, it, I could go this route with this person or these people and with this people I could not. Yeah, I need to find the right way to go out. So uh, yeah, definitely research, you know, experiment. Uh, Tim Ferriss, of course, talks about being the human guinea, guinea pig, which I'm nowhere near going that extreme, but I'm willing to try, you know, uh, unconventional uh, practices. Yeah, that's that's like a a little like a little motto um, among me and like a couple friends or fraternity brothers. Or we're always like, I'm down for almost anything. So I, I I'm really am down to like experiment and just experience new things because you never know what's out there until you try it. So right. So the same same thing goes here. You know, you you never really know what's out there until you you read about it, you research it. So by all means, go out there and experiment. Yeah. And now I like broccoli. <laughs> <laughs> that goes back to episode one. Yeah. But it, it it starts with those small changes. It does, though. It really it, does. It starts with those small things. When uh, I had a client, because they started that challenge there right at work right. A, few, you know, a few weeks ago, and this particular client, he's like, hey, man, uh, what do I need to do? I'm like, one small change. I'm like, do that one small change until you do it without thinking, until you do it without hesitation. Then add something else. I'm like, what's your diet? First thing I started with, I'm like, what's your diet like? I'm like, I don't, I, you're here every day. I don't care. You're, I know you're gonna work out. I'm like, what are you eating? And his his diet was actually pretty good, like turkey, you know, turkey ground beef and like, or turkey ground, turkey ground meat. <laughs> sorry, turkey ground meat and like spinach. And he has some greens. I'm like, okay, add one more green. You know, change up the green because while spinach helps you for something else, you know, I I throw in broccoli. I'm like, try broccoli. Like, broccoli don't taste like anything. Like spinach, spinach don't taste like anything either. I'm like add broccoli. I'm like have a have one cup of spinach, have one cup of broccoli, and then have have six to eight ounces of your turkey, right? And then I'm like start with that until you're like okay with it, you know. And what I left him with, I'm like, but if you're not gonna do it, don't waste your time. I'm like it's one thing for me to try to help you and tell you what to do, but if you're not gonna go home and buy just one stock of broccoli, don't. I mean, you need to figure out what's gonna work for you. But also it comes down to just discipline in as you, for yourself to know what you want, you know, but, but like I said, the small changes make the biggest difference and it, it adds up. And I didn't realize it till now. And I'm still working on it because I'm still working on my own trepidation, my own things that I'm trying to do in my personal life, uh, with certain, uh, topics. Right. But when it comes to like the diet and stuff that I've been very heavy on for 2016 and going to 2017, uh, diet and exercise and just living a healthier life, not just a diet. I feel like uh, the way Seth Godin talks about uh, being busy is a trap, a diet's also a trap because you're more likely going to fail it than wanting just to live healthy, period. Yeah, and I think most of the time a diet is more of a phase or it's it's to reach like a short-term goal. I, I really believe, truly believe that if you want you know, to lose weight or you just want to be healthy, it has to be a lifestyle change and not completely like a 180, but there, there, has, there has to be alterations that you're going to take with you for if not the rest of your life at least you know the grand part of it right like the next thing i'm getting into now is uh i actually learned this from this uh this uh workout website that i subscribed to some of last year that i actually use uh now with uh with a gym i'm at but anyways so this guy this founder he's like become one percent better every day and the way i took that now and i use it immensely is Okay, imagine if you did 1% a day for a year. You will be at 100% before the year ends. And when I when I made that connection for like when I was able when 
when I made that connection for myself, I'm like, man, imagine that. 1% every day. 1% right. every day. Start today. Be f- what's today? Today's February 4th. Uh, you know, by what? October? You'd be at 100%. Maybe even earlier. I mean, I'm, I'm not counting days. I mean, let's say it's the summer, mm, late summer. A little over three months. Right. Okay, so they're three months. So let's say it's four. Let's just say four months. 1% a day for four months. You're going to be at 125%. And then you can build on that. And then once you accomplish that 125%, that is now your zero. And you keep moving. Yeah. You'll be at a thousand percent in like no time if you just do one percent a day and that's kind of the thing i, I haven't necessarily uh talked about it yet until the, until right now because i thought about the being better every day you know one percent if you try to do and and the way i can like i said one small thing a day and if that if, if it takes you some time then do that one small thing until you get used to it and it's not even a part of your thought process yeah that's uh, in I guess in a, in a different light, I've I've applied the small thing deal like um, in my personal life, more on the you know little business topics ideas that go on in my head. I I start with like a a big picture and I'm like, how do I get there? Okay, now how do I get there? Okay, now at to that point, like what do I need to do now to get there? And so I just kind of scale it down to the most doable and specific steps to eventually get me to that bigger picture and um i didn't want to do that at some point um i kind of just wanted like the the quickest way to get to the the big picture and and then in in doing that i was i wasn't getting anywhere because i i just wanted to do this one big thing but i wasn't planning how to get to that to the to the middle ground to the middle step and i just started scaling it down scaling it down and and really, like that's what it's about. If and anything that you're doing and you're planning, you got to be, you know, specific. And you're not the the best way I think to get specific is to to bring it down to like small changes, small te- right. steps, right. small goals. And what I brought last last week with your with your student, I was like, okay, we we know what the goal is, we know what you want them to do. Now, breaking down that far, what he, what Brian just explained, of. Okay, you know the goal. You have some certain steps that aren't working yet. Then diving deeper into that, you know, and trying at least trying to find a way. Like we we did reach the, the conclusion of like, okay, there's a certain point where maybe it's just not gonna happen. But until then, until you know in your own head that there's not that you did every that you spent every single second you could on finding that basic most foundational thing. Then that's when the job ends. But until then, you keep going, you keep hammering at it, because hopefully, even after hammering it over and over again, then that student will get it either way. You know, after over time, because by the time, let's just say a month has passed by, well, at least they get it now, at least, and you can move forward. Um, and I'm I'm actually gonna argue that that's not where the work ends. That's where it begins, because that's where you start to build up to the 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 biggest picture that you know, the biggest scale or the biggest goal the that was in mind. Goal. Yes, the ultimate goal. It's it, it the work begins when you find the smallest step towards that. Goes back to that. Um, what what is it? The uh, hard work is rewarded with more hard work. Yes, you said it last week. Yes, Sergio Simpson. I did. Damn it. Yeah, I think we're gonna call it there. Uh, we we went we went pretty heavy. We saw some light. We saw some darkness. Uh, I'm gonna leave you with this quote by Seth Godin from uh, Tim Ferriss podcast. He was on last year i believe uh he says you are more powerful than you think you are 
act accordingly.